what's up, everybody? Another week, another edition. It's the Live Life Progressively podcast with your host, Mike Mahler and Sincere Hogan. And we got our guest in the house today, longtime friend, buddy of the show. Got our man, Nate Morrison, in the house. What's going on, Nate? Hey, not a whole lot, Sincere. How you doing? Doing great, man. I was kind of excited, man. I was really excited when Mike said that, you know, you want to come on the show. We know that you're a very, very busy man. And um, for those that don't know about Nate Morrison, uh, Nate, just kind of give everybody just a brief history of, like, you know, what you've done in the industry and, um, and a little bit of your background, brother. Holy moly. Uh, well, <laughs> I, I guess the part that uh, that will matter most to people is uh, way back in, what was it, 0102? Uh, I got into the uh, the whole kettlebell thing, and that's where I met Mike. Actually, was I think it was the second ever certification that they did, and uh, then Mike and I were senior RKC instructors together, and, and uh, all that. Yeah, sort we of we got yeah we got the uh, we got to wear the the Radio Shack outfits together. <laughs> that's out there, right. Out there, in Minneapolis. <laughs> sure, can I have your telephone number? Uh, <laughs> <laughs> go to dinner after one of those courses like oh hey the crew from radio show <laughs> or blockbuster well, it was even the right colors i mean man yeah, exactly dang it i just didn't think of that so now radio shack that's good but <laughs> but uh as far as my personal background i mean i've, I've been um oh god i i added it up the other day i mean i've been in uh in the military and, and within that special operations for 19 years, which, um, you know, that goes by both really fast and really slow. It's kind of amazing. Um, but I, I introduced the, uh, the kettlebell into the American and Canadian Army. I, I took them overseas. Um, but then, I mean, I've, I've been training since I was 10 years old. Uh, when my brother brought home a weight set and said, hey, this is what we're doing, and when you're 10, you know, that's what you do. Um, you know, so, I mean, uh, a little bit further forward, I mean, in uh, when I was in high school, I was in a cadet corps, so I was training uh, cadets to be in shape because we had a physical fitness standard back then. As I understand it, they don't anymore. Um, and then, you know, I've just always had that love of, of training. And then, you know, after meeting Mike and, and the whole kettlebell thing, I mean, I've, I've lost track of how much money I've spent and how many places I've gone just trying to train myself and, and then bring all of that into the military. Um, and I think I've actually finally figured it out. <laughs> so you don't <laughs> figure this out overnight. No. Also, you do a lot of work with LifeQuest Transitions, Dr. Grove Higgins' yeah. organization. Can you tell us a little bit about the organization and what role you play with it? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, LifeQuest is um, – well, they're, they're kind of in hiatus right now, but they were a um, um, – uh, an organization that was founded to help wounded warriors, and it was actually the army that came to them because they were originally an adventure, um, an adventure sport outfit, training, you know, um, adventure racers and all that. And they said, "Hey, can you do something with all of these guys that we've just got sitting around waiting on their next medical appointment?" And we said, "Yeah, sure." And um, I wasn't involved at the time just yet. Um, I got involved a little bit after they stood up, and. Um, you know, once we started seeing these guys and, you know, Doc Higgins, you know, taking a look at them through his, through his lens, um, I mean, the guy's the most amazing healer I've ever seen in my life. Um, you know, we said, well, we could be doing a whole hell of a lot of different things for these guys and get them off of the medications and, you know, teaching them how to move again because physical therapy in this country is a joke. Uh, and, you know, so all of a sudden we're seeing, 
you know, somewhere between 1,500 and 3,000 soldiers walk through the door every week, all that sort of thing. And, and what we found is that, you know, once you teach a person how to move again a little bit, just that, you know, I mean, some, I had one guy, he had both his legs gone, and I taught him how to use kettlebells. Hmm. Um, wow. You know, yeah, and this guy went on to the, to the X Games. You know, he just sits on a little ski, you know, uh, he's literally like ratchet strapped into this thing. And um, I mean, he has no fear. It's unbelievable. Uh, <laughs> but I mean, imagine teaching a guy how to do, you know, overhead pressing, and he has no legs. Wow. You know, like literally no legs. He's balancing on his pelvis, you know. Um, and so that was really awesome. Then we even transitioned a lot of those guys into adventure racing and that sort of thing. And, you know, I mean, I, I my role there was basically as an exercise-based physical therapist, is kind of what I was doing. I was uh, retraining people how to move like human beings, um, how to uh, activate muscle groups, muscle patterns, create new motor patterns, uh, work around or through an injury um, or you know, missing a limb. Or um, In a lot of these cases, you know, they're, they're, they're missing half of the muscle or a bunch of connective tissue or something like that. Um, and then we even found a lot of cases where, you know, for example, I had this, this uh, real cute young lady, um, and I said, my God, what are you here for? And she said, well, I have these, these headaches, and uh, I, they just don't know what to do with me. And I said, well, do you mind if I put my hands on you? And I, um, I started palpating the back of her, uh, her neck and her spine, and I said, okay, at this point, I need to know how badly do you want to stay in the Army or do you want to get out? And she said, why? I said, because it makes all the difference here. Um, because if we go any further, you're staying in the Army. And, you know, she says, yeah, no, I, I want to stay. So I walked her into Doc, and I said, okay, take a look at this Doc. And uh, he says, okay. And he asked her the same thing. What do you want to do here? She said, I want to stay. Okay, five minutes later, he adjusted the vertebrae that's been out of place for a couple of, of years from, uh, from her history. And uh, all the headaches went away. She was fine after that and was able to return to duty, no problem. So, you know, just another example of how Western medicine doesn't have any answers for the things that most people are going through. Nate, Nate, how much is how much is in place to help soldiers that are coming back with different mental issues, physical issues, like post trauma, that that kind of thing? Is yeah. there is there anything yeah. in place yeah. that? Yeah, exactly. Is there anything in place that's actually with, helping anyone? Within within special operations, there is. There's the yeah. the SOCOM Care Coalition, mm-hmm. and they do a very very good job. Um, we're very impressed with them. Within the the conventional forces, which of course is where the majority of your of your injuries and your problems are, there really isn't anything, um, and certainly nothing substantial. The military will point to, well, you know, we've got this program and that program, but we've been there, we've seen it, we've looked at it. Um, I've put people into that program and I've taken them out, and all it really is is just a place where they they're, they're taken away from their unit, they're put into a separate uh, separate unit of a bunch of people feeling sorry for themselves because they're injured, and all they do is they just go from one, one doctor's appointment to another and then get uh, medically retired out of the service. There's no right. actual real treatment, you know, for this, um, or for what it is that they may have, I mean, outside of the, the conventional Western answers, which is here's some more pills, go on, right. you know, do your thing. So um, as a matter of fact, I mean, the Army doesn't even understand, for example, what, post-traumatic stress disorder actually is. Right. Um, it's just a label that they slap on people. And, yeah. and when it was finally brought to their attention that, 
hey, all that is is hypervigilance, and that's a good thing, they went, oh, crap. And now they've actually reversed over 80% of the diagnoses of PTSD and said, oh, no, actually, it's, it's actually one of these other things out there, and we kind of messed that up, sorry. Um, but they're still not providing any, any form of treatment. Um, but, Mike, I mean, while we're, while we're on that subject, real quick, uh-huh. and then I'll shut up for a second, um, it's really interesting because in, in the studies that I've done, looking for a lot of answers on, on why we are where we are today, I found out that in 1962, I want to say it was, um, Robert McNamara, the then Secretary of Defense, ordered that the recruiting standards be dramatically lowered for the services because he wanted bodies that would make it through the, the entry process to, as draftees to go fight in Vietnam, which is a very unpopular war, of course. Yeah. Um, and ever since then, and the Army recorded this at the Borden Institute, they, they recorded what what really literally overnight happened to the military when they did this and all of the disorders that were now being let in because prior to that, even in, in W2, 75% of everyone that went to get their physical was rejected. So, yeah, you know, most crazy. people don't yeah, know that. My dad. Yeah, I remember that happened to him. I was talking to my dad about that, and he tried to get into World War II, and mm-hmm. they simply wouldn't let him in just because he was flat-footed. You know? Yeah. And, and yeah. I'm I'm thinking probably guys today could probably get in now. <laughs> oh, easy. Yeah. So, yeah. Crazy. Get all the time. Yep. So, I mean, they looked at posture, flat-footed. I mean, they even had uh, psych wards where they, they didn't call it that. But if they said, this guy's a little off, they'd send him off to another thing. And, and, you know, it would look to him like he was in this cool place and doing interesting tests and everything. But they were really looking at him to see, you know, what psychological disorder he had. And they'd keep you there for four days and, and just evaluate you and mm. then say, no, I'm sorry, you're out. You know, now they don't even think about doing that. They're just like, hey, welcome, fine, you have a heartbeat. You know, so. <laughs> 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 we know it's a heartbeat because they're not checking for brains on the, mo- on the, you know, <laughs> for the most part. You've been deployed many times. You've done many deployments. and. Oh, yeah. uh, how do you, how do you transition when you get home? Is it difficult for you, or does it take a little while? Has it always been? Because you, I mean, and privately, you've always told me that you've never really had issues. So that I'm I'm curious yeah. if that's always been the case, like if even the first couple times you did a deployment, or was it something that you developed a skill over time? You know, it's never necessarily been a problem for me, but but guys in my profession don't really have. Uh, that set of problems because selection takes care of 90% of those people. Right. Um, you know, it, it weeds them out. Um, you know, what what you tend to see is, especially as a, as a medic, you know, looking at other people, and especially like the support personnel that they'll give you or the conventional forces that you go and work with, is you do get to see their psychological dispositions and what it is that, you know, they're thinking and doing and how they're processing the information that's coming at them and how they're processing the situations. And I'll be honest, I don't, you know, this is where, where Grove has, uh, uh, Grove Higgins, he has the capacity to look at that and to be able to address it directly with these guys. And I, I just kind of stare and shake my head because I don't, I don't get it. I don't, it doesn't bother me, you know, that that round impacted right next to me. I don't. It right. just doesn't phase me. Because to me, it, it, it's this glorious, uh, in fact, I'll tell you what, it's more stress for me to live in the United States of America than to be at war. Because, <laughs> wow. and, and it, oh, yeah, 
well, I got to tell you, you go start asking veterans this, and they'll most of them will say the same. Um, because when you're over there, your job is to basically eat, sleep, not die, and you understand that it's very black and white. Those guys want to kill us. We want to kill them. That's okay. Good. I'm good with that. You know, now I can right. go to sleep. Right. I come back, and I mean, just dealing with something like taxes sends me just completely bonkers. You know. Um, but it is a little bit interesting because, you know, you step off the airplane and they say, all right, we're going to open the armory. You can put your guns in there. And I go, what? no, why would you know? <laughs> That's you know? So then, yeah. <laughs> like, okay, fine, you can have the gun, you stupid so-and-so. And, and then, you know, you get on the highway, or, or not even the highway. I mean, I remember uh, Fort Walton <laughs> Beach. I got on the, I caught on, you know, the, uh, the main road there. It's just Route 95. And uh, I'm doing 100 miles an hour. And I look at the speedometer, and I look up at traffic, and I look at the, at the speed limit signs, and I go, I'm back in the States. I should probably not be doing 100 miles an hour right now. <laughs> <laughs> you know, because you get set into being the king of the jungle, you know. Yeah. And, and, and when you're all of a sudden not king of the jungle, you're like, you get lost. You don't know what to do anymore. You're just kind of like, well, I guess I'll watch TV, like. It seems like a lot of people get kind of institutionalized as a result of that. I have some friends where they get home and within days they, they wish they were back. They just, yeah, they, exactly. they, yeah. they just want to go back. Yeah, they just can't yeah. adapt. They're like, no, nah, I don't yeah. want to be here. This is boring. This is lame. I, I yeah. want to be back in the field. Yeah, I was so, about I mean, to say that. I'm, I'm pretty sure that's why a lot, you know, go back. It's just like you just can't adjust back over here. And just from what you were saying right now, I'm pretty sure if I were, if I were in the service as well, I probably wouldn't want to come back either. Just like you said, taxes alone, that's a different war. Oh, man. <laughs> that's a war we can't win. You know? That's a guerrilla war, man. <laughs> American Al-Qaeda. Seems like life, life is a little bit more cut and dry there, like you just said. You made a very astute point how it's like this is, the, this is what you're there to do. This is what you're allowed to do. And, yeah. yeah. You come back here and it's like, all right, I've uh, there's, there's so many rules you have to follow. It's like you have to bite your tongue when someone really irritates you. That there's, right. it must feel so restricted. Oh after, yeah, like after being deployed for many months or years, et cetera. Right. No, there's no running people off the road with your car. There's no <laughs> police. You know, there's you know, <laughs> there's, there's no driving 100 miles an hour in a 70,000 pound vehicle because you can. <laughs> You know, I mean, <laughs> oh, I mean, it's, I, I wake up, I go, they're paying me to do this. This is awesome. You know, I think <laughs> well, we should get was... hazardous duty pay to be home. <laughs> Nate, I'm curious how supported you guys feel when you're overseas. And, and what I mean by that is we always hear people say, I support the troops, yeah, exactly. rah, rah, for the troops. But very few can actually measure what they actually do for the troops rather than just say they support the troops. So I'm, <laughs> I'm curious when you are asking different companies for various things and so forth out there, how amenable are these companies? Because I've had friends tell me that they ask different clothing companies for shirts and they'll get a bunch of T-shirts with holes in them, you know, things like that, like stuff <laughs> they would normally throw away. Or like you ask a supplement company to send some stuff out, they'll send over like one bottle, you know, for a hundred. Right, months. right. I'm, I'm well, how much are you actually? You getting? know, I'm, I'm going to stick up for 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 business just a minute because I mean I I have seen that a lot over the years. Yeah. And um, you know, I'll, I'll relate a, a a quick story. I mean, when I was uh, right after 9/11 and we were getting ready to to go over there, um, I was actually at a unit on Long Island, New York, and 
I had a, a piece of web kit that I wanted some different fasteners on. I took it into a sales shop because they had the fasteners and the machines to do it. And they did it, and I, I said, you know, how much? And they said, you going over there? And I went, maybe. I said, don't worry about it. Like, well, oh, okay, you know, thanks, I guess. Um, and that was really cool of them. Yeah. But the problem is, is that, you know, if you're a company like, I don't know, Surefire or something like that that makes, you know, real high-end flashlights, um, you know, when you have, you know, 5,000 dudes every six months asking you for free stuff, I mean, right, you right, can't maintain right. that, you know. Um, no, no. And then what, I mean, you want to help, but, you know, you have to draw limits on things. You know, I mean, like, for example, I mean, you would never be able to, you know, if, if 5,000 guys every six months said, hey, can I get, like, a six-month uh, supply of aggressive strength? I mean, as much as you might want to, you got to look at it and go, well, well, that puts me out of business tomorrow, man. You know? So, <laughs> yeah, like, no, I can't, you know. So i I got to stick up for, for businesses there um, just because I think they get really tired of being badgered. And it's one right. thing if the war is only four years long, like World War II. Um, I mean, hell, in World War One, you know, you know, Americans were only fighting, I think, for 200 days, you know, yeah. in the entire war. Right. Um, this has been going on for 12 years. Yeah. You know. Yeah. I mean, at some point, you get, you reach a level of fatigue. Um, but the thing that gets me about, um, you know, Americans in general. I mean, we can we can start to lump in um, disaster relief and all that sort of thing. Um, and, in fact, we're dealing with it right here. Uh, as a matter of fact, yesterday someone started four different forest fires around Colorado Springs, um, which is supremely annoying. Um, yeah. You know, I, I'm coughing. i got a runny nose from all the smoke and all that. But, but people are immensely generous in, in the moment, you know. It's like, oh, right. my God, I, yeah, let's clean exactly. up the pantry. And, <clears throat> and that's really cool. But – Americans have absolutely no appetite and no ability to focus on anything past about three minutes. Right. And, you know, after that, it's like, you know, I, and, and it, I get really annoyed, you know, Oh, we support the troops. Well, I'll tell you what, you know, let me take a stance that's a little bit controversial here to, to some people and on the conservative side of things. If you really supported the troops, you would vote for people that would go into Congress and end this stuff. Now, right, you know, I agree. that would be I agree. supporting the troops, you know. Yeah, yeah. Right? <laughs> so, um, you know, they, they they just think, well, if I I throw a couple of bucks or a tuna can, I supported the troops, or I supported <laughs> Katrina, or or whatever, oh or a magnetic yellow ribbon on my on the side of my car. You know. Right. Yeah. Well, and that and that stuff too. I mean, that that identifies a whole another level of of the. The, the negative side of the stuff because, okay, you went out and you bought a yellow ribbon because you said, oh, I want to support the troops. Where does that money go? Well, that money goes to this company. You know, right. that company, exactly. even if they were a charity, are only by law required to give 5% to the actual charity. They keep all the rest. And that's yeah, I think, I think you're better that. off. I think you're better off just finding maybe you have a couple families in your neighborhood who have, family that are overseas and you support them like people you actually know rather like for example you're a friend of mine and you're over there and you're like hey mike can you help with this and i go sure i I think i think that's the best and i think that's the best way with charity in general is where it's very specific where you you're sending the money directly to the person in need or or maybe you're friends with the organization because sincere and i talked about this a couple episodes ago if you look at 
a website called CharityNavigator.org. Yeah. I yeah. mean, a lot of companies like the Red Cross have nearly a billion dollars in assets. Oh. So, I mean, it's like, why is that money not in the field actually helping people? And, and why, why do you even need to raise money? Every time a disaster happens, they have the whole celebrity marathon where they're trying to telethon, <laughs> rather. And it's like, guys, right. yeah, I mean, if the CEO makes $500,000 salary, I mean, give me a right. break. Right. Well, and, yeah. and, and although the whole process, start to finish, is, is messed up because let's say that you find a charity that, you know, I, I don't know if USAID is any good or not. I just know they're all over the place. But, you know, let's say, well, we're going to help feed starving kids in Africa. No, you're not. That that shipment arrives at the port, and the warlords are right there. And they exactly. exactly. And, you know, it's like, <laughs> you're, like, you're like, not helping you. anyone. You no. Know? No. <laughs> Yeah. That, that, that's the problem with aid to a lot of those African countries, actually, is that it's, yeah. my father is, was an economist. He still is uh, in the, as a consultancy level, but he worked for the IMF for yeah. many years, and Africa yeah. was his specialty. And he went yeah. to many countries and spent a lot of time there, and he said yeah. that the, the corruption is so immense that oh. to cut through all of that and actually get anything to, to people that actually need it is extremely yeah. difficult. Right. Yeah, if, if you're not willing to, to become a force above and beyond. I mean, years ago, you know, love them or hate them, uh, but Blackwater said, hey, if you want to solve that problem in South Sudan in Darfur, we'll do it. We'll do it in six weeks. All we need is the green light. And they said, oh, no, no, we're not going to do that. You know, <laughs> okay, well, you know, just saying. <laughs> but it would involve armed action against the warlords and the Sudanese government and all that. Right. And, uh, you know, politically, that was just too sensitive. We're not going to do that. We'll just let all those people die. Okay. Noted. You know? <laughs> yeah. I mean, yeah. Just the Rwanda was just like that, right? That could have been, that could have been easily yeah. stopped with not, yeah. not probably a thousand U.S. soldiers in there. Probably could have stopped yeah. that, if maybe even yeah. less. But yeah. it was just one of those things where it's like, nah, we don't want to get involved with that. And then right. 800,000 people dead later, but three months later. Yeah, that was that yeah. was President Clinton's biggest regret for not getting involved. It's like, yeah, yeah, I would say that. That's putting it lightly, man. Like, you, you could have you could have averted a genocide by making the right move. So yeah, that, that right. would be pretty. That would be pretty high on my list of screw ups for sure. Right. <laughs> I think well, that was a little he, bit. I think that was a little bit more important than that blue dress that he stained. You know. He <laughs> <laughs> gets those beer goggles on, and you know. <laughs> Yeah, we can't make, we can't make fun of beer goggles too much. I mean, we, we, we've, all, we've, all, we've all worn those at some point. Right? Hey, what's wrong with that? Especially when you take a couple extra tabs of aggressive strength. I mean, that that's oh, like gee. Uh, beer goggles. Oh man, I got to I got to tell you, sincere. If, if I haven't told you this story, but you know, Mike got me onto uh, Bulbine on uh, on my last appointment there. Um, sets me up with the whole stack, how to, you know, what to do and all that sort of thing. And, man, I had to get up two hours early just so that I could face the public at the appropriate <laughs> time, you know. I mean, holy moly. It's bad when you're shouting down and you're like, stop it, go away. It's like, I don't Dude, I'm trust here. me. What do you want? We've been talking about this for the past couple of weeks, so it's good to know that it's not just, it's not just us. Oh. <laughs> No. So, yeah, you know, I've been, I'm I'm starting to become like the little rabbit bulldog around my house right now. And, and honestly, my wife, 
she, you know, she was cool with Mike at first, but um, <laughs> now she's really cool. <laughs> right. Now she's like, man, this is the greatest guy ever. I think like, up more of this stuff out here. <laughs> I got a hose That's of dude off now. of me. <laughs> you know, there, there are a lot of women out there that are probably going, man, I need to get this stuff for my husband because they have, they have the opposite problem there. Yeah. <laughs> No, no I, it, it's it's funny though. Sometimes, like, yeah, stand up and come over here. It's like, no, I can't. Not right now. <laughs> you know, right. Yeah, Oops, give me a minute. <laughs> I, I'm a grown man. You can't tell me what to do. I'm not moving. <laughs> <laughs> I am perfectly comfortable sitting right here. <laughs> right. I'll text right. you. <laughs> right. <laughs> From across the room. <laughs> Nate, a couple a couple of years ago, Nate, you put out a book on military fitness. What was what was your inspiration for that? And, and what kind of feedback did you get? from people within the military uh, I'm really curious about. Yeah, yeah the, um, the book, uh, that was my first one in, uh, in 08, uh, right. Military Fitness, and it, it, uh, it, it was good. I mean, I had, it's, it's interesting because even within the military, you have, it's no different than the civilian world. I mean, I've always said that any volunteer force is a direct reflection of the society that it comes from. And, you know, so you get the guys that, that look at it and go, holy crap, you know, that's it. That's exactly it. That's, that's what we need. And then there's other guys, like, if it doesn't contain a program that tells you what to do every minute of the day, they go, well, that sucks. That, that was a piece of shit. But like, really, dude? That's, that's pretty amazing. You know, it's quite a statement. You know? Yeah. Uh, and, you know, it, it's easy to get offended at that, but, um, you know, then you got to, you know, once you start, I know you guys have dealt with this, where it's like, you know, is this person even a qualified customer? You know, is this a qualified person to even make a statement like that? You know, right. so you just start blowing them all off. But, though, my inspiration was, you know, after, you know, I had been big on uh, bodybuilding, calisthenics, running and swimming for, uh, you know, until I had gotten to the kettlebell thing. And by the time I got into kettlebells, I was pretty badly injured from a lot of things that I had done. And, you know, the kettlebells turned that around, but what it also did was it opened the door into all of that Soviet sports science. Right. And that's what it was all based on. It was, it was all based on all of that uh, Soviet sports science that was out there. And, you know, basically what I did, because I hadn't done all of it, you know, I, I had just read all of this and said, this makes sense. You know, I've played with this. I've played with that. If that works, this must work. And, and I put it all together. And it was really more of a, a book that said why we should do certain things. It wasn't necessarily a book that said how we should do certain things. Um, and then in uh, in '09, I went to Russia, and that just blew my mind. I, w- I went over there to do martial arts, kettlebell training, sports science, and all that sort of thing, and that's what I did. Uh-huh. And I mean, it's just it's one thing to read those things on on a page. It's another thing to go over there and actually do it and experience what you know. For example, I mean, back then. I say back then as if 2009 was a long time ago. You know, I mean, Steve Cotter was doing all this stuff. Valerie Fedorenko was, was right. doing all kinds of stuff. But in the mainstream, and I don't even think that they do a lot of this uh, type of thing, but, you know, I, one of the very first things that, uh, that the coach had me doing over there was, you know, one, uh, one minute in the rack position and then one minute overhead and then one minute in the rack and then one overhead. We did this for like 20 minutes. I mean, it was insane. Um, and this was like the first exercise that we did, you know. <laughs> it, it just got worse from there. 
I'm going, no one's ever had me do this, you know. On another day, it's like, okay, we're going to start with, you know, these sets, and okay, we're going to finish with, um, I want you to just do 10 minutes in the rack. What? 10 minutes in the rack position? And you go, well, that's okay. It's in the rack position. Who cares, you know? About a minute 30 in, you care yeah. a lot, you know? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. What the it's- hell? It's funny, um, one of our good friends, you know, was on the show a couple of weeks ago, and uh, our friend Ken Blackburn, when him yeah. and Steve, they went over to Russia and trained with these Russian champions, um, yeah. with Sergei Rosinski and Sergei Rudinev and these guys. And yeah. their whole perspective on just, just even training with kettlebells totally did a 180. And, uh, and yeah. <clears throat> luckily, you know, Ken's my coach as far as kettlebell sports, so I really got to reap the benefits of that. And it's just funny that you're talking about those rack holes, man, because Ken <laughs> – Ken decides, you know, after doing pretty much working on your main set, whatever event you're competing in, you know, once yeah. you've done that for like three or four minutes, you're thinking like, oh, right, three or four minutes, no big deal. But then yeah. it's just like, okay, take about a four-minute break, four to seven-minute break in between, and yeah. then he'll hit you with, you know, a three-minute rack hold, and then yeah. after that, you're doing overhead lockout for like a minute. <laughs> and, you know, when someone's listening to that, they're thinking like, oh, that's just, that's whatever, that's bull crap. It's like, that's, right, that's, you right. can't do that. But you don't understand, <laughs> he just had me doing a three to four minute sprint with just my, my main set. Let's say it could be long cycle, it could be, yeah. you, know, you know, clean and jerk, or it could be snatches. And then he yeah. just followed up four minutes later wanting me to sit there with an overhead lockout and my shoulders are fried already. You know, oh, so, yeah. and right. you want to talk about mental toughness training, which we were talking about last week. You want to talk about building mental toughness and work capacity. Dude, yeah. it's just like the, the system is way different. And then by the time you're doing rack holes, which is, mind you, this is not the end. You're doing rack yeah. holes for three minutes with like a 32s or with the 24s. And yeah. those 24s, all of a sudden, they just feel like about 400 pounds a piece. And you just feel, right. you feel like an asthmatic who's being sat on by a fat girl in a brothel in Reno. Okay. <laughs> right. <laughs> so, and then you, you know. get seven more minutes. And then guess what starts? Now you get to do GPP. So it's like right. And, you, and with GPP, it is 10 straight exercises, one minute a piece, no rest yep. break. So yep. you do Just this three or four times a week. So yeah. I don't think people understand. So when you say that right now, I'm kind of flinching and kind of having like the shake. <laughs> I'm having a post-traumatic stress disorder just thinking about it. <laughs> right, <laughs> right. Minutes, I'm like, oh, brother, I've been there. I get it. <laughs> <laughs> and, 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 and most people never train that kind of strength, meaning that no. oh, fixating a weight overhead for time. Even a few seconds people find very difficult. Or even doing yeah. something like a pull-up where you hold the top position for a few seconds. Oh, yeah. People, yeah, people are not used to doing that kind of stuff. It's you just bang out the reps in the sloppiest manner, fastest manner possible, <laughs> and then you move on. So people right. have a very difficult time with just fix. When you hear something like that, oh, I'm just going to clean two bells and just stand there with it, that's what people yeah. think of in their head. So, yeah, yeah. Like, you, like you said, <laughs> a, minute, a minute 30 in, you, you, it's not going to feel quite as easy as you thought yeah. it would. You're shaking no. like a crackhead, man. <laughs> right. Well, and I, I didn't really speak any Russian either, and so I would, I, you know, I didn't really <laughs> word for it. so I, I would try to put it down, and I'd be like, no, 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 you know, like, ah, damn it, you know, <laughs> so I'm looking at my translator, she says, no, no, he says you have to keep it up like that, you know, for this long, and I'm like, oh, no, <laughs> when is this going to end? <laughs> Nate, I'm curious, what, I'm curious what kind of, did you come across anyone that, taught the powerlifting information in Russia, anyone that worked with strength and conditioning, such as Olympic lifting or powerlifting, strongman training, just think things in that realm, or was it just yeah. kettlebell training? 
No, no. Uh, in fact, the gym that I worked out in, um, it's uh, the Moscow Weightlifting Federation, and they, in fact, had the, the national powerlifting champions uh, working out five feet away from me. Um, so they and, – and, you know, they're doing a lot of the stuff that um, – that looks a lot like Westside. You know, they've got, you know, uh, well, you don't really see bands over there, but you right. see a lot of chains, um, mm-hmm. a lot of drop sets. Um, you see, and, 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 you know, sometimes they would, they would kind of go up in the same way you do a drop set. You know, you, you put the bar down, two people pull off a plate, you know, do a few more reps, pull it off, but they would go the other direction as well. Um, so, I mean, basically when I, when I was able to concentrate on what they were doing, um, I would I would kind of look over and watch what they were doing, um, but the thing that's that's so different over there is that, and I kick myself because I didn't take a picture, but on the wall they have the the blueprints of success stapled onto the wall on a piece of graph paper, and what that graph is is what the volume manipulation is over a year, and the same thing for kettlebell sports they have that that exact volume that says hey. Starting day one, this is how you ramp up. You mm-hmm. plateau it. You taper it like this. You stay that way. Have a spike here. Drop it back down here to that that plateau. Come over like this, and then it just climbs and climbs and climbs and climbs and climbs and climbs up to competitive peak. Yeah. Yeah. And then it's then it, it you know slight plateau for competition, and then back down to start. And exactly. for every sport, they have that. Yeah, exactly. It's like the, the Russians, they, they pretty much talk, Ken and Steve, and, you know, those guys brought it back. The same thing is they have these phases. It's phase one, phase two, yeah. phase three, four. And then, you know, for all of us, when we compete, you know, once we finish competing, we can't wait for phase five, which is pretty much I can chill for a little bit. I can have some yep. cheesecake. You know, I can drink a little bit more. I can drink a whole bottle of wine this time, you know. And right. then, then you start the phases all over again, you know, according to when is your next competition or whatever your next right. you know, main goal is going to be. So yeah. it, it makes life so much better because then you actually have a reason to be training. You're not just kind of leaving it to chance and just picking yep. things up and overtraining or undertraining or anything like that. So those yeah. guys are really, really smart because they're very scientific with the way yeah. that they put your programming together. I mean, really scientific. I mean, they're putting yeah. formulas down. They're very left brain about this. So oh, yeah. it's, it's a big difference than what we're used to over here and what we see in, like, the bodybuilding magazines or in Muslim Fitness yeah. and all this other madness. Totally just – it just blows your mind when you look at that. And then what really blows your mind is just the results. And you're like, whoa. Oh. And then you realize yeah. why they kicked our ass for so many years in just about every oh, competition. Yeah. Oh, know. yeah. And, and it's, you know, they, they, they cross-train as well. All exactly. of them cross-train. Gymnastics, you know. everything. You'll see over there you've got champion kettlebell lifters that are bodybuilders full-time that just decide, well, I'm going to do this. You know, just, you know, I want to do something different, so I'm going to do GS. You've got, you know, those same power lifters are also Olympic lifters and sprinters, you right. know, and they, a lot of what they do, and it's stuff that I'm, I'm working into my current programs, is, you know, it, it's funny because, like, for example, if, you, if you're training for, say, the military and all you do is a whole bunch of ruck marching, you know, backpacking with the, you know, as fast as you can with a weight on your back, right. um, yeah. you know, you build a, a pattern and you end up actually kind of hitting a point where, you, it's diminishing returns, you can't go any faster, and your body just kind of neurologically sets itself uh, to being a pack mule, and a pack mule is not exactly known for its speed. But if you work in sprint work and swimming and all that sort of thing, kind of, you know, 
mobility work and all that where you're, you're decompressing the joints and you're working on other areas of athleticism, mm-hmm. then you never get that, you know, you never get that drug down into this. And we see a lot of that in American power lifters where, you know, they're strong as hell, but they're not fast. They don't have the speed um, and they don't have the athleticism. They're just, you know, a great big mule that can lift really big weight. And, Boy, you see a lot of them walking fine. around like that, man. <laughs> They're just kind of limping along like they had a stick up their butt. Now, not all of yeah. them. So many just look broken down, you know, looking right. like they've just been, like, you know, building homes and working for Habitat for Humanity for the rest of their lives. They're just all beat right. up. It's like the guys yep. at Home Depot, the contractors, are like, whoa. Yeah. There's not much of a difference between them and the powerlifters. a lot of powerlifters that you see because – those yep. guys are just doing powerlifting. And, right. you know, and it's cool that the Russians do that. I mean, they, you have the GS athletes who also, they cross-train by doing gymnastics. Um, mm-hmm. they're, they're doing triathlons. They're doing different things, you know, throughout yeah. the year, not just doing GS, GS, GS. And I wish so many, yeah. you know, kettlebell sport athletes here in the U.S. would get that. But all they want to yeah. do is just their money sets, and they just want to do GS, and they want to do it every competition every other month. But then they're yeah. wondering why two years later they have all these injuries, and then – or their bodies just break down. They don't have. They have no reason. They have no understanding why it happened. And then right. they're, they're jaded, and then they're bitching and complaining all on Facebook why you know the sport's going to hell. So like, no, you went to hell. Your body went to hell because you didn't know what the hell you were right. doing. You, I mean, you've only been lifting. You've only been in GS probably at the most. The majority of everyone probably two or three years. There are some who've been yeah. doing this probably for about nine or ten years. But it's always the ones who haven't been in the game that long, you know, yeah. or weren't in the game that long because they had injuries and they start bitching and complaining like, "What's wrong?" Mm-hmm. Or it's more like, "What was wrong with your training?" Is the fact yeah. is you were new to this and you didn't learn. You know, you're trying to learn from other Americans. I call that blind leading the blind because it wasn't our. Oh yeah. <laughs> so. Yep. So well, that's why I went over there, guys. Was I? This was um. This was a time, as you guys remember, when things came unglued pretty badly over here. And I went, I went, that's a very, that's a very diplomatic way of saying it. I was like, those are very, and I love that. You know, I I said, I can't trust anyone. It's not that they're necessarily untrustworthy, but what was their source? They don't know. And I said, well, screw it. I got on an airplane. And to my knowledge, I'm the, I'm the first one to do that. I know Steve uh, went over, Steve Carter went over to compete, but I went over to train and to see what was what, you know. And, uh, and then after, after I had gone, I think a year or two after I had gone is when all of a sudden everyone was going over and training with guys like Sergey Rudnev and all those guys, yeah. um, which I think is an awesome move, you know, fantastic. But, uh, but at the time, I mean, it was like, well, who can you trust, you know. You just sometimes you, don't sometimes know. you have to go to the source. I think it's like yeah. anything else. Yeah. Whenever I mean, like I may read a book and then I tell you what the book's all about, but that's my interpretation, which right. may be flawed or may be a lot different than what your interpretation is when you look yep. at it. You may read it right. and go, huh, I don't know what he's talking about. This is what I got out of it. Right. So I mean, yeah. just like a movie, like I may go see a movie and say, here's why I liked it, and someone else is not going to see any of that and yeah. they're going to hate it. And it's not about right. I'm right and they're wrong. It's just a totally different perspective. So sometimes, you. Yeah, you, right. yeah, exactly. You have to go to the source of that. You know, that's, that's what I try to do with hormone optimization information as well, mm-hmm. rather than just get it third or fourth or fifth party. You start tracing yeah. it up the line and try to get to the source as much as possible. Nate, I'm right. curious, how have you applied what you learned over there into your own training? Because I know you do some deadlifting, you do body weight training, you do kettlebells. So how have, yeah. how have you incorporated those concepts into your own workouts and people you work with? Well, what I did was I, I came back from that, and I, 
I built what I called, um, you know, a little egotistically, I guess, the Morrison system, but they say you got to <laughs> brand it, so, you know. Um, <laughs> so yeah, my, hey, said, might, as well, might as well be your name in there somewhere. You right. Know? <laughs> <laughs> branded, my name's going on it somewhere. <laughs> right, right, exactly. No, what I, what I did was I used, you know, basically their athletic model, um, right. which, which um, you know, you can actually correlate into a whole bunch of different things and within the military what I was able to do is I looked at, say, the phases of a mission that you would run. And what you discover is that early on, you know, if I, you know, if, if we're doing, a, say, a classical special operations mission, you know, you get dropped off at point X and you've got you've to carry a heavy weight for, you know, the next 20 miles to get to point B. And so that requires a very specific um, uh, physical characteristic or uh, physical trait that needs to be trained specifically. Right. Um, once you're at point B, which is your, your operational rally point, what you do is you move from there, you move to the target, but now you've, you've dumped the rucksack, you're moving a lot lighter, you're moving a lot faster. Um, and, and this, by the way, I mean, it exactly correlates also with different energy systems and, um, and that sort of thing. So now we can take that and we can train that specifically. Now, once I, once I come into contact or we hit an objective, now, you know, that's a whole other thing. I mean, this is super explosive, um, powerful stuff. I mean, just, you know, you're doing it so fast and so hard that, you know, you can't even breathe. You know, I'm, I'm up, he sees me, I'm down, I roll, I shoot, I'm up, I, you know, um, charging upstairs, you know, all that kind of thing. Um, and then you've got hand-to-hand fighting, you know, which kind of has a whole bunch of different little dynamics into it. But if we just take each one of those pieces in part, it corresponds to the way that the Russians will build a physical training program, which starts with a warm-up, then a little bit of mobility, then technical and tactical skills, moves into power, you know, speed, agility, quickness, power, explosiveness, then into strength, then into hypertrophy, then into endurance. Um, and that's a standard athletic model world, worldwide. I mean, people don't understand that. I mean, think back to football practice. That's what you did. Right. You know, there's nothing mysterious about it. But if you just break those apart and do those on a different day of the week, then, you know, you can hit each one of those areas pretty damn hard and never really worry about overtraining. Um, I prefer to, to, to hit all of those hard in a week, uh, make that uh, a higher volume, then drop it down the next week, um, bump it up the week after that, and so on and so forth, and just have that wave-like periodization in that way. Um, but then I'll, I'll use a lot of the older classical um, uh, strength lifts, or uh, I'm sorry, strength training programs and methods, you know, whether it's uh, linear loading or step loading or some of the wave loading. And I mean, I, I think I sent you a video. It was, I think I was deadlifting 405 or 415, um, but I bumped it up to 450 before I, I ended that cycle. But I went from not having deadlifted for a couple of years to 450 in six to eight weeks. That's great. So, you know, and no injury, you know. But I, I not only did that, but I was also benching 325 for one rep max uh, during that same exact time. And, again, I hadn't done any of the barbell stuff in years. Right. Um, I just applied the program is all it was. And so, I mean, the results come really, really fast if you want to do that. And – you know, to that end, you know, the other thing that I'm getting into a lot right now and this entire new program that I'm building right now is, is dedicated. I, you know what? I haven't sent you guys 
I've got a book on military physical readiness standards, and uh, I think it'll really open your eyes because I looked at I look at a couple things. So I just rattled off the numbers like, hey, 450 on the deadlift, 3 325 on the on the bench, and all that. Okay, but what does that mean? You know, what? Who cares, right? And Dan John was one of the first guys that that started saying things like, hey, I wouldn't, I wouldn't brag about that 215 bench, that's high school freshman level, you know. <laughs> right. And, right. you know, so I started looking at this, and I went, standards matter. It's one of the things that are missing in our industry, but you've got to realize that physical fitness comes in categories, and I've, I've broken them into eight different categories myself. And the last one is general fitness. And in general fitness, it doesn't matter because what's, what is the goal? It's fat loss and body composition and stuff like that, you know. But in, in professional sport or any of these things, you have a standard. So think NCAA football, okay, collegiate football. You've got Division One, Two, II, and Three. Well, guess what? You have strength standards and speed standards just to qualify to play the game, you know, just to get on the team. You've got to be able to perform at this level. And I looked at that and I went, well, shit, you know, we're, most of us are performing at like eighth grade level and feeling really good about it. And I went, that's pathetic because with these programs, I can put you to division one NCAA in eight weeks. So what gives, you know, but no one's ever looked at it that way. So, well, no one I know. <laughs> so, no, I mean, so you bring up, you bring up good points. Cause I think a lot of people, are cognizant of what you're talking about, meaning that some people that are getting into powerlifting and just doing that, they're starting to realize what the drawbacks are, and they want to incorporate other components for more overall fitness regimen, but they start trying to do too many different things at once, or they're not organizing it properly, and then they just start getting a poor response on everything they're trying to do. So I I think that's the problem there is that you can, what you're talking about is you can control a lot of variables, but it has to be very, very precise how you do it. It can't be yeah, just yeah. random. It can't be right. like, well, I'm going to go max squat on Monday, and then I'm going to go do a couple miles running afterwards, and then Tuesday I'm going to do this. No, it has to be very systematic. And I think the right. problem a lot of people has have are their stimulus addicts. And we were talking about yeah. this last week where they want to push it hard all the time. They don't, yeah. they don't, they don't want to cycle back intensity. It's like, no, every workout should be hard. I don't care if I'm beat up. I'm just going to suck it up and push through because I'm so mentally tough that kind of attitude, and it's like you're so focused on the stimulus of the workout that you're not even focused on the goal or the result anymore. And as as a result, you're working (laughs) harder to get diminishing returns. And we see this all the time with fitness Mm -hmm. people is that they have become so addicted to that stimulus of working out that it's almost like, oh, I don't don't care. They're they're just in total denial. They're getting weaker every week, and they're, they're trying to rationalize that somehow. Because they don't want yeah. even then they don't want to dial back the intensity. It's like the only time they dial it back is when they actually get injured and they can't physically work out now. Yeah, well, exactly. <laughs> you know, they're going through they're going through what I call fitness Catholic school guilt. This is like if they're not going hard all the time, <laughs> they're not going hard all the time. They feel like they're not doing anything. They feel like they're a punk. They're weak. Or you know, I I, yeah. I, I, I go hard all the time, man. It's just like yeah, killed killed it in the gym today. No, you killed yourself. You know, so right. they're constantly right. going through these these training like pretty much attempted suicide, you know, so it's just like, how, how close can I get to dying today, but just stepping, how close can I just walk to that ledge and then step back, like, yep, 
almost committed suicide today, but not quite. Right. But you know what? Right. Try to get tomorrow. You know, so <laughs> so they just never think about it that way. They just think, like, I have to go hard. I got to go hard. And they get right. into all this guilt online. So they see all this other crap, see people posting crap on all their gym crap on Instagram, Facebook. Yep. And then because yep. what it is, they end up using their ego as their guide. So it's like, well. Oh, yeah. Oh, oh, yeah. Well, if Mike has lifted, well, if Nate just did 450 on deadlift, and, and knowing this guy just did 450 the same day, well, tomorrow yeah. I'm going to do 475. Dude, you did 450 yesterday. You know, so like, <laughs> right. hey, 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 yeah, but that damn Nate yeah. Morrison, that's my boy, but I'm not going to let him beat me. <laughs> Nate can give a damn about what you lift tomorrow because Nate's got a life. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And that's the thing. It's just like we start competing and start separating ourselves from everybody and thinking that we have to be better, or we make them. We think that they end up making us feel worse about ourselves, and that's what the problem becomes. Stop comparing yourself to everybody, and then you can focus yeah. on your training and not kill yourself. Well, you know the right. problem is the problem is we've all become, and I'm not saying we all, as in the three of us, but just a general statement of how because of social media and things like that, it seems like everyone is trying to make their social media outlets their their reality TV channel, whether <laughs> yeah. it's YouTube or Facebook or whatnot. Exactly. Like, look at me. Look at what I'm doing. Come look at me and comment so I feel significant. And exactly. there, there's, there's quite a bit. I mean, it seems like people do stuff so they can take photos and put it on their social media rather than just doing those things for the sake of doing it. Oh, I mean, how, how many times have we been to rock concerts, sincere, where you go to a concert <laughs> – and you may be the only one who's not there with your camera filming the whole thing or texting right. somebody else. I mean, I'll film a little bit, too, as a souvenir. Like, I made, like, the favorite song comes on. I'll film, like, 30 seconds just to have a souvenir in my phone. But I'm not sitting yeah. there texting people or, or trying to create, like, a, now, a that is the video most annoying the thing ever. You're Isn't it? Yeah. So everybody's going, are you a blue screen? And people are texting through. I'm like, dude, are you listening to the song? Are you really sitting right. there trying to Every five minutes for your status on Facebook, like, yep, yeah. checking out Godsmack, yep, here at the Woodlands, yeah. yep, it's hot, hot chick over here, fighting over here, and I mean, come on, man. <laughs> yeah, it's like, come on, man. Put your damn phone up. Right, But I know people who basically make their pages their own reality TV channel, and then they're trying to build a business, too, and they're surprised <laughs> that they're not getting any good results. It's like, well, look, you can only put so many pictures of yourself in a bikini and to the oh point where you're not taking it seriously anymore. Oh. So you have to decide. I mean, do you want to get guys coming on your page every two seconds going, oh, you're a hot. Oh, boy, I'd like to do this with you. Or do yeah. you want to be taken seriously as a professional? Exactly. Because the women I know who are taken seriously as professional, yeah, some of them are very good looking, but they don't, and they don't try to downplay that, but they don't make it over the top either. Like right. here's me in little spandex shorts every day doing something or that. I mean, they want to be taken seriously as a professional, so you, you create a professional image. So yeah, I mean, right. but, but, I, but, but I think right. a lot of people, man, it's it's really we we've become this society of look at me, look at me. So it's like, yeah. what can I what can I do in my day that I can post on Facebook that's going to get me attention? Oh, like oh I got one right. for you. I got one for you. My favorite is this one when they do this. Like, yeah, for every like that I get, I'm going to do one push up. Why don't you just fucking do push up? <laughs> damn push up. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. How, about, how about this? Go do 100 push ups and don't tell anyone about it. How about that? The majority of the time, they only have like 20 likes. So I'm like, okay, now, <laughs> now we got off lucky today. <laughs> well, what happens if you get 10,000 likes? Are you really going to honor that? <laughs> oh, my God. That's so funny, man. That's uh. Ass yeah, clowns, you know, man. You know, I like to post 
I like to post my workouts to show what I'm doing, you know, because I do have a following of people that are interested in what I'm doing. But sometimes I even wonder myself, as like, am I coming across like I'm just trying to impress people? Like, oh, look what I did today. So it's kind of a fine line. It's like I don't, I want to put out information, but at the same time, I don't want this to become let's let, let's pat Mike on the back every time he posts something about one of his workouts. So it's kind of a fun. I think it's different, Mike. I think it's a different situation. Like whenever you post, you know, your training or I post my training, whatever. First of all, we're not posting every damn day, okay, for one thing. (laughs) And when we do, what we're doing is, I mean, I think our audience is smart enough to understand that, okay, these guys are providing some free content. And you can tell when the questions kind of stop coming at you. Because if you're not posting it, every five seconds, somebody's like, hey, man, you think you can help me with this? You think you can, you know, what's a good workout for this, this, and this? But right, what you right. do, you get a response like, hey, man, I just tried, you know, that, that, the workout you posted the other day, man. That was really, really cool. And that was tough. It was tougher than I thought. It looked easy on paper until I did it. So that's when you kind of realize, like, okay, I'm doing something right right here. And, again, like I said, we don't overbear, you know, over, just overburden people with workouts. Like, yep, here's my training for the day. And then you post two or three workouts in a day or something. Like, you're like really? You, you just did three workouts in one day? What the hell are you training for? The biggest loser? Who's going to actually be, who's gonna be training that long all day freaking long? Do you have a life? Okay, obviously, you know, you're going to testosterone boosted because because obviously you're going to have time to be with your a significant other right now. You're doing workouts like, I got to go work off this testosterone booster that, right that's now. True. I don't have time to post a workout. No, if you're, if you're taking yeah. aggressive trades. You're not going to be wasting time on Facebook. No. If you're not working out, it's like, all right. If you, if you don't yeah. have a significant other in your life, you're going to go look for some kind of other. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> else on your you're you're either going to be on realdoll.com buying a sex doll, or maybe you're going to get – maybe you're going to get – what's that thing called that Rogan always talks about? You're going to get the – uh, what's that? A flashlight. That's <laughs> right. Oh God. Probably sell those in the package. Aggressive strength special with flashlight in case you don't have a significant other in your life. Yeah. No, it's, it's, but you know that's that's the funny thing about hormone optimization is that when you start getting your hormones dialed in, where you have a nice balance of testosterone, estrogen, etc., you 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 start wanting to do more cool stuff. Like you don't want to yeah. waste time on Facebook. You don't want to waste time being an idiot. You want. It, I'm not necessarily saying that you're going to be running down to the Las Vegas Strip trying to pick up any girl you see. Although you may do that, and that's okay. But but yeah. you're pro- but you're also going to be just wanting to be more adventurous and live a fuller life. You know, that's the right whole thing. Is, because you have doing. real energy now. You have all this energy. And what do you want to do? You want to sit on the couch and waste time on your computer, or you want to get out there and be active and have some fun with it? Yeah. Well, that's that's why I moved to Colorado, man. I mean, this this is one giant playground, you know? right? I mean, holy cow! I've 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 been to Vegas many a time, but uh, and I mean, good grief! I remember climbing uh, uh, in Red Rocks in July, 117 degrees, and you know that was interesting. But I'd rather it be 70 degrees with a light breeze at 13,000 feet, you know. <laughs> well, Nate, I, I remember. I remember when you did a ten-minute set at Treasures. I think you were in the rack. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I was in the rack, all right. Oh my God! Yeah, it was a rack. I didn't you'd have, a hard, you'd have a hard time getting past that one-minute mark. <laughs> oh God! That, wow. Yeah, that. I hate you. <laughs> Don't, don't worry. This was before everyone started having flip cams. And, uh, right, yeah. There's no documented I, I There's no documented <laughs> I think that's, hey, that's a good thing, Nate, because um, why don't you just tell us about, like, we were talking about Ken. <laughs> talking about Ken Blackburn earlier. <laughs> and we're talking about, you know, here's a, 
Here's a good reason there was no flip cam back in the day. Please tell us about Kim Blackburn's dancing um, experience. Um, right? What? Or as we like to call him, as we like to call him, the Mighty Ken. Okay. Uh, I, mean, I think that's his stage name, and uh, no, I, I, you know, no, I don't Ken, actually Ken know. That's the stage. That's Kenadrin, yeah. <laughs> well, you know, it's funny because uh, I keep seeing these video clips online that says, you know, Ken Blackburn dance moves. And it looks a lot like these Van Damme movies that I've seen. But, you know, I think it's totally different. And I think the Kenadrin thing explains it because when you're on that kind of stimulant, you know, you just kind of have the, you know, kind of moment. I mean, people get hurt on the dance floor, man. You know, but I, you know what? I don't know. Is there, cause there was actually another video out there. It was like of this park ranger that, that looks kind of like Ken and, uh, you know, doing some kind of funky dance and, I, I don't know. Between that and the shake weight, there's a lot of a lot of things suspect that I haven't. I got to sit down and talk to Ken about. You know, I think he's <laughs> holding back on us. You know, <laughs> Nate, Nate, what are what are some of the things that you think the military does really well with regards to fitness, and then things that you would like to see changed, or things that are are not done well, for example? Oh boy, you know, I I think that probably and I. I I thought about it. I, I kind of thought you might ask me that question. And I think that probably the, the, one, the, the one thing that they do that I like the most is that they actually do have a physical standard. Right, It's right. not a very good one, but they have it, and they're at least holding a large body of people to a standard. Um, the problem is, is that that standard is so horribly ill-conceived um, my, my research came back to that um, because, you know, you've seen a lot of guys saying, uh, posting these articles that says, are you as fit as a World War II GI and posting that PT test from 1946. And, you know, it, it's a pretty good PT test. And you say, well, okay, well, when did that change? And I have all of the PT manuals. I think all the way, the, the oldest one I have is 1898, all the way to present. Hmm. And, it was in the 60s, again, with that reduction in, in recruitment standards when we just all of a sudden stopped paying attention to it altogether. And, you know, the problem is is that no one's ever, and I guess this is kind of where I right off the bat kind of started um, kind of finding my niche was that I, I take medicine and I combine it with sports science and I look for the common ground and then I go with that. And right. You know, so if I, if I put, if, if you have a person that's walking around all day, okay, uh, let's say that they're their ideal body weight um, and they're walking around every day, but they're wearing, you know, 70, 80 pounds of kit. Okay, so now what you really have is a person who's 80 pounds overweight walking around every day in this stuff that's compressing their spine and doing all these things to it. <clears throat> but then, <clears throat> excuse me, you're holding them to, uh, a, an absolutely ridiculous uh, standard that doesn't address the fact that really what you need is a huge degree of uh, strength and strength endurance in certain areas and a certain amount of hypertrophy to protect yourself and to be able to do these tasks because people don't seem to get the correlation. They say, well, this person, you know, again, I'll use a, a, a Dan John-ism uh, that I've come to adopt, which is, if you can do 50 push-ups, that's nice, but that guy cannot bench 400 pounds. If this guy can bench 400 pounds, I guarantee he can do 50 push-ups, but he's also going to be able to survive 
uh, as a lineman on a football team, and he's also going to be much better suited for military service because he's going to be able to withstand the impact. He's able to resist the continuous forces of the loads that he's being subjected to and all that sort of thing. And no one has really come up with that. No one's looked at it. And it's gotten, uh, I, I wrote today, you know, the Army just had another catastrophic failure of leadership today. They uh, decided they're going to hold off on this multi-billion dollar camouflage improvement thing uh, because of sequestration, which, of course, is the wrong answer. The uniforms they're, they're um, giving people essentially glow in the dark. And um, hmm. so, <laughs> but, you know, so I, I, got, I flew off the handle about that, and I said, well, okay, here's the deal. Um, the, I can't do anything about camouflage. I don't own a company that could do something overnight about that. But I said, you know, I, I've had it with this physical fitness stuff. You know, running, running two miles in 14 minutes, at the seven-minute mile, everyone thinks that's awesome. But I got news for you. You know, there's a 13-year-old girl that ran it in nine minutes. Yeah. You know, there's, <laughs> there's a 13-year-old boy that ran it in 8.56. You know, they ran one mile at 13 years old twice as fast is what we consider to be the highest standard. You've got to be kidding me, you know. So I'm taking, hand, I'm taking matters into my own hands right now, and I, I'm building a program where I'm just, again, it's sort of like, well, why are you doing this? Well, because no one else will. So I'm going to set the standard, and that's the bottom line. Um, and to, you, to, to get that standard, what I'm using is I'm using NCAA Division One. I'm using standards that come from the Russian Special Forces and the Canadian Special Forces. And I've rolled it all into one, and that's going to be the standard. And the military can do whatever the hell they want, but I can promise you if you do my program, you're going to just laugh and point at that thing because, you know, it's just not going to be a problem for you. Um, and that's, one, yeah, that's one thing I was going to ask you about, Nate. When Mike first told me that, you know, you were coming on the show, I was telling him, I said, this is a perfect time to have you on the show because – as you know, this is like, you know, as, as we're recording this show right now, it's the beginning of June, which means yeah. graduation just happened, which means there are mm-hmm. a lot of recruits out there right now. And this is yeah. usually the time of the year I get a lot of phone calls, well, you know, a lot of, you know, graduating seniors coming out like, hey, man, um, you know, I just signed up. I just enlisted. You know, I got to get ready for my PT test or whatever. I, you yeah. know, like I want to know, can I join your classes? You know, I got like three months to get it done because I'm heading to basic <laughs> like in September. And but the thing right. is. They haven't done anything in the other four years they were in high school. So they're nope. trying to get it all packed up in three months <laughs> to get ready yeah. for eight weeks of basic training. I'm like, well, you know, yeah, basic's going to be one thing, but, you know, after those eight weeks, you know, nine yeah. times out of ten, they're going to send your ass over in the desert. Okay, right. so, so you know, you're going to be in basic somewhere here in the U.S. where, it's, you know, you got some trees and things like that. But what happens when you're yeah. out in that heat, especially, you know, if you're a kid that's coming from an area where it's not blazing hot. Now, yeah, I'm yeah. fortunate. They're fortunate to be in Houston because it pretty much feels like the damn desert out here all the damn time. Oh. But, you know, but, but yeah. again, how are you going to pack all that in in three months? So what do you say to those kids who, you know, who are listening? Well, I can't even say kids now because now they're adults. So yeah. what do you say uh, to those guys who are getting ready and, and those ladies getting ready to head off? the basic and they've enlisted and they're, they're really stressing about, you know, how am I going to prepare for my PT test? Uh, the, the news is not good. Um, <laughs> they should have played. You know, I, I used to have a really horrible opinion about uh, team sports just because I had a very negative experience in high school. Um, I put my heart and soul into it. The rest of the football team, put their heart and soul into pot and, and booze and all that kind of thing. 
and wondered why we lost. So I, I, <laughs> I always had, you know, I was always pretty pissed off. But the, um, look, here, here's the crisis, and this is why I'm so, so upset and so passionate and, and so angry about all of this, is that um, I've, I've recently had some work with uh, a couple of different folks. One of the, one of the guys is a friend of mine, and, and Mike is familiar with the, uh, with the work that we did with him um, because I had to call in Mike as a, as a special advisor because, you know, here's a guy trying to train up for the military and we're doing everything right. And he still can't lose the weight, like not one pound in like three months. And I'm sitting there, I'm going, okay, well, this is, this is ridiculous, you know? So we, we tested him and sure enough, he's clinically low in testosterone. He's clinically high in estrogen and a whole bunch of other things going on. As soon as we start cutting out, you know, some of that estradiol, um, getting them on aggressive strength and myamin and all that sort of thing, man, you should have seen what that did with his strength and stamina. I mean, it was unbelievable. But there's a deeper problem here because, and, and this is something that I've, I've really, I've been obsessed with ever since uh, Mike helped me out with that, is that when you have a person that's, say, 15, 20 pounds overweight, um, I think Mike and I agreed that if you were 15 pounds overweight, you're automatically um, high in estrogen, low in testosterone, insulin sense, uh, insulin resistant, leptin resistant, thyroid deficient, et cetera, right? Definitely, yeah. But what, what, what does that bring with it? It brings with it the inability to learn motor skills. It brings with it the inability to lose fat. It brings with it the inability to put on muscle. And all of these, and, and on top of that, there's a mental component to it where these people are living in a, in a brain fog. And once you start clearing that out, like their entire world just opens up. I mean, this guy, this one day I said, how are you feeling? He's like, fine. And I said, you do realize you're skipping like a little girl in a figure eight. And uh, it, he just kind of laughed. And I said, yeah, I, you know, you've never done that before. You know, but he was just full of energy and like couldn't wait to run. And that was the first time he'd ever felt that. Um, so, I mean, the, the problem is, is that when you get a kid that's 18 um, and they're 15 to 100 pounds overweight, which so many of them are, um, unfortunately, the, the solution to their problem is a lot deeper than most people even understand. Even their doctor doesn't understand that these things are problems. Mm-hmm. Um, I can't teach you to do push-ups if you don't have the motor pattern recruitment to do a push-up, and if if you don't have that, um, I can teach you the patterning, but I can't teach you if you're in a state where, you know, what appears to be, uh, whether it's the the estrogen or the insulin or or whatever it is, that inhibits motor learning. I'm not sure which one it is. It may be a combination of all of them, but when you spend weeks on a single motor pattern and they still don't get it, there's a problem. so it's a really big issue. And, you know, one of the things that they're not telling you is they've got all these waivers to send fat kids to basic training, but then the washout rate in basic training is 20%. They don't tell you that. You know, this is stuff only the recruiters know. So just because they shipped off the basic training doesn't mean that they're going to have any kind of success, you know. Right. Um, and, and so, I mean, my, my real message to everyone is get your kids in sports and clean up your you know, clean up the lifestyle and the diet because in three months, I liken that. It's so funny. As soon as you said that, I thought about medicine. And I'll never forget the the first time that I saw someone come in 
this young lady had popped an entire bottle of Tylenol because she was all depressed and going to commit suicide. And, of course, the next morning, nothing had happened, and she's in excruciating pain. Well, we bring her in. They test her. They say, yep, this is the deal. And they said, okay, or I'm sorry, I said, okay, so what do we do? And they said, well, we're going to see what religion she is and call a priest. And I said, why? (laughs) Because she's dead. There's nothing we can do. No, there's not. You know, she's too far down on the organ donor list. There's no, there's no way we're going to get to her in time with a with a donor liver. So if you're waiting until you're three months out and going, hey, I'm going to do this thing, you're screwed, man. Um, you should have started a lot earlier. Um, the the best that we can do. I mean, I've I've built a couple of training cycles and I'll I'll send them to you, but. I mean, there's little things that you can do that will get them to a level where they could succeed, but they're always walking a razor's edge because where they've got that deficiency from, again, not being active for the last four years, Mm. it could be any number of things that just causes that injury, boom, and they're down. And they're going to wash out or they're going to be injured for the rest of their lives um, because they don't have the, the, the things that they need. And The more that I do this and the more that I do kind of the the rehab-based stuff, the more that I see this. And, um, it, yeah, it, it's ugly, bro. <laughs> <laughs> and, and we're talking about, you know, when you talk about the rehab portion of it, I mean, I mean, how do you feel about just a prehab portion where you have these strength and conditioning coaches out there? Okay. I mean, we have, rec- we have recruiters who are, like, at, you know, at these schools constantly recruiting these kids, you know, and yep. some of them they're recruiting, like, junior year, sophomore year, and things like that. Yeah. If they know they're trying to get these kids in, you know, this early in the game, um, don't you think it would be good that these recruiters also, you know, find some way to partner up with some strength and conditioning coaches to create programs during that time and get these kids? I mean, it's just like if you're getting ready. Okay, let's let's just be like if you have a a recruiter from college that's been looking at this kid in high school football or whatever else. You know, these guys are like these coaches are prepping this kid when they realize this recruiter is looking at them. These coaches are going to prep this kid for college. You know, most of these kids have been prepped for college football, NFL, whatever else, since Pop yep. Warner. Why, is, oh, yeah. why aren't those same standards, you know, not being used when you have people who are, like, putting their lives on the line for our freedom, you know, which mm-hmm. is far more important than winning the effing Super Bowl, okay, right. <laughs> you know, and getting into the NFL. So my right, thing is, right. it's kind of like, it's kind of like, you know, also seeing overweight cops, overweight firefighters, yeah. overweight soldiers. These are the people that are going to protect my life. I want to feel good. Okay, I'm not wearing it. I want to feel safe with these guys. I could give a damn about a linebacker for the Dallas Cowboys, you know, yeah. something like that, or you trying to get in the NFL. So wouldn't we want to place more importance and try to, like, work together and get something going where these coaches, these strength and condition coaches are working with these recruiters to get these kids ready to actually save our ass, <laughs> you yeah. know? And, and, there's, and, you know, there should be, and and – you know, it's funny because I was just doing a little bit of writing on, on some of this because recently in the news what we've seen is um, in Russia, the Army has complained bitterly to the, to the government and says, what are you giving us? This is, these people are ridiculous. <laughs> now, what, what people don't understand is that for the entire length of the Soviet Union, there was a national physical training program. And so, I mean, there's... The stories that, that people like Pavel have told of having to throw a grenade a certain distance to graduate high school are true, okay? Hmm. But in, the, in recent years, they've slacked off on that requirement. They said, well, you know, you know, let's not impose that on people. And so then the military has turned around after just a couple of years and said, okay, things are getting out of hand. This is ridiculous. We're not, you know, we have a standard to uphold. 
And by the way, they are epic standards. I mean, these the Russian army, um, they're, if, if you look at a PT test, to score 100 points on all of the events is literally NCAA or higher um, um, standards. So, I mean, it's unbelievably high. And so Putin turned around and said, all right, that's it. We're putting the old program back into place. Done. Moving on. Now, we don't have that. Um, and, and I'm not so certain that we should, mostly because I don't trust anyone to do it right. I mean, mm-hmm. the military has all of these people running their PT program, and they can't even get the definition of strength correct. You know, so, um, But there should be, and that's, I guess, what I would like to do eventually is to be that source where, you know, if a recruiter's got a kid, you know, hey, enroll him in this program or get him with someone that, that, you know, I've trained or you've trained or Mike's trained or something like that, you know, get this network going um, mm-hmm. of people where these guys can go and train. But, you know, the recruiters have also got to, I, I, I don't know, there's something that culturally something has to happen because what the military is not allowed to do is really interfere with anyone until they step foot into basic training. Right. They can make recommendations, but they're prohibited from having any other um, influence on these guys. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and, and we certainly don't have the national influence. I mean, 75% of the population is ineligible for military service based on obesity alone. That, that's before you've even asked the 25% if they want to serve, you know. Right. So <laughs> that's a terrifying uh, statistic, and it's only getting worse, and it's getting worse within the military because when you have so many toxic lifestyles, toxic leaders, bad food, uh, no adherence to um, um, uh, whatchamacallit, um, uh, sleep cycles and all that sort of thing. I mean, right. they're taking cops and air traffic controllers and switching the shift that they work every three days. Can you imagine what that's doing to cortisol levels? Oh, big you time. Know? It's just wrecking it, man. <laughs> <laughs> right. So, I mean, so you, you got these people that are fat, and the military's answer is, I'm going to smoke them until they slim down. They're just <laughs> dumping gasoline on the fire. You know, Um, so, I mean, someone's got to be the voice of reason and and no one is. And so I'm going to try and do it. But um, you're absolutely right. I mean, and and I would say even, I I mean, strength and conditioning coaches are fine, but I I would be pushing them into things like soccer, you know, Mm -hmm. Um, soccer or football or something like. Yeah, you're talking 90 minutes of going up and down the field, you know, in soccer, you know. So you're going to talk about conditioning and mental toughness and work capacity. You know, and, oh, yeah. and just hitting different energy systems, you know, definitely look at those guys. Whereas, you know, even with, yeah, yeah football is good for the impact and, you know, but pretty much for the most part, you're probably running at the most, maybe five seconds, you know, eight yeah. seconds, 10 seconds with right. a sprint, you know, for a lot of, for some of the guys. We're not even talking yeah. alignment. So, yeah. you know, but then you look at basketball and you look at soccer or, or oh, tennis yeah. or even tennis, uh-huh. you know, and oh, swimming. Yeah. You know, so yeah. here it is. You're really hitting all those energy systems right there. So that would be excellent. So what I want, what I want to ask, Nate, do you think that the reason why that is not such um, an emphasis in this country, you think it's because we have such a bigger dependence, like on technology, doing the work for us? You know, just, you know, if the soldiers can't get the job done, you know, we'll just send some drones or we'll do this, this, and we have the, you know, the technology to take care of it for them. Do you think that may be it? That, that's a large part of it, yeah. Um, I mean, I think on the, on the baseline of why don't we really care about it that much, um, America's always been 
um, a, a nation of, of volunteers. Um, mm-hmm. a, a lot of times, even with the draft, you know, there was, it was there were more volunteers than draftees. But um, you know, there's we've never made it a priority in that sense. And then, of course, yeah, now uh, since World War II and, and since Korea, it's all been about technology, technology, technology. And mm-hmm. you know, it's, it's a special operations concept that humans are more important than hardware. But even though they say that and they say, well, this is our big, you know, precept here, they mm-hmm. never actually do it. You know, it's always, right. hey, we got you this other cool thing, you know. Um, and, I mean, it's getting so bad, the, the dissonance, you know, the, the say one thing, do another. Um, you know, the Army, you know, runs their mouth on, on end about we're going to get lighter and faster and all that sort of thing. And, and we're testing an exoskeleton so soldiers can carry the load. I'm sorry, what? <laughs> I'm sorry, did you say an exoskeleton? To carry X-Men, the, Wolverine. The load? Yeah. <laughs> uh, I, I, funny, because I just put less stuff in my bag. That's what I did. <laughs> but I, I'm just, wow. <laughs> okay. You know, and that's, but, you know, we've got a defense industry that, that rules Washington right now. Um, yeah. You know, that's the only reason that, that, things like the B-22 Osprey actually exist now because of the defense industry and political corruption. And it pushes this technology. Even when the military says, we don't want that thing, Congress can say and does say, oh, actually, you are going to get this thing because you're doing it. We said so. Um, and and so, so you get this reliance on it. You know, I, just, I go back to you know, my last deployment. Uh, just for my company alone, we took 19 giant pallets of stuff into Iraq, okay? I, I, I invaded Iraq personally with what was on my back, mm-hmm. and I didn't need anything in those 19 pallets the whole time that we were there, you know? So we just, Americans have this tendency to go just all gaga for technology and just pile it on, and, and they refuse to keep, keep it simple, you know? I mean, the, the French Foreign Legion's, Thing is, well, you know, I've got a gun, I've got bullets for it, I've got some water and some beans. <laughs> We're good, you know. And sometimes they drop those guys without food. They're like, well, you've got water, just get food on the way. You know, oh, okay, well, all right, cool. You know, but... <laughs> it seems you know, to be pervasive in, in all facets of culture, though. I mean, if you ask the average person to not use their cell phone for a week, they would be jones and hard oh, within 24 dude, hours. They would I go mean, eight shit crazy. <laughs> I mean, I mean, I mean, I mean a lot, can, especially look, people that update, didn't even grow up with it. Yeah. Like if they can't even oh, update yeah. Facebook every five minutes, what are they going to do with themselves? Like, <laughs> God forbid, if you actually have to talk to real people in a real life situation where you actually have to look at someone and like actually speak to them, what do you do? This whole communication well, thing, yeah. what is that? <laughs> well, it, it kills me. I've seen, you know, like these pickup artists, they've got all these, uh, they got all these seminars. They're running them in Vegas now, you know, to, prey on the tourist chicks and stuff. And all they're doing is teaching these losers to walk up to a chick and say <laughs> hi. So like, you know, I'm like, are you kidding? I can walk up to anyone in any country, and I have, and just say hi, you know, and solicit information and have a conversation. I mean, I pull into Eastern Europe. It's like you just find a good-looking girl, and hi, how are you? Do you speak English? So oh, some little, yes. You, you automatically now have a friend for the next week that's going to take you around, go to all the clubs, party, whatever, just because 
you're an American from out of town, and exactly. I said hi. You of, course, know, Nate, they, of course, Nate, you found that the Arab guys in particular were very friendly. <laughs> <laughs> Dude, Dean, you're a bastard. So, yeah, being blonde hair, blue-eyed in an in a Arab country, oh, yeah, you're a freaking novelty, all right. Holy <laughs> crap. You're something. Woo! <laughs> I, I think Mike said that jokingly, because I don't know if I've ever told you any of the stories, but... Uh, <laughs> <laughs> not, not sober, anyway, but... <laughs> no. No, they're very... Yeah, oh, they want to come over and stand next to you and hold your hand, and you're like, yeah, yeah get away from me. You know, it's, <laughs> it's, it's fine when Turkish women want to do it. They're smoking hot, but, you know, not, not <laughs> weighty men. That's... No, 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 no. <laughs> Um, maybe I'll turn down that offer I got recently about doing a course in Kuwait. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, you, you you look a lot more like them than I do. So you no, that's true. I won't be a novelty. That's true. <laughs> Although they, you know, you're a bigger guy and they're all very small and frail. They'll probably want to like touch you and that kind of thing. And, well, <laughs> and, fortunately, I don't shave my chest. So <laughs> <laughs> Nate real, quick, real, Nate, real quick, with, what do you think about diet for people that are in the field? Because we've talked before about how you've always said that, and I often use your example when I give my lectures about how you've, yeah. had, you've had people in the field with you who follow kind of a bodybuilding standard dietary yeah. regimen where they're eating every two hours and that these are the worst oh. people to have because they miss one of those little meals and now they have a blood sugar crash in the field and now they're a liability more than an asset. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, you, you know, you see that every time with the big guys that are that are like, just like you said, the bodybuilders that are eating every two mu- uh, every two hours. Yeah. Um, they they do. They crash. They get really grumpy. Um, super low blood sugar. I mean, they 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 and in that state they have no strength. You know, so now they start falling behind and they're stumbling and all that sort of thing. Um, you know, I I think I, I just think that. And, and I found it in the Russian research as well. You know, they said every five hours because, number one, the, the stomach and the intestines need a break just like everything else does. Right. And, um, you know, it's been a very traditional thing. And, you know, you and I have gone around and around and around. I mean, it just keeps coming back to three meals a day, approximately five hours apart. Yeah. So, you, you, know, know. Thing, you know, the thing about three meals is it's just not sexy or exciting to anyone to talk about. Yeah. Right? People, people right. like extremes. So they're like, I like intermittent fasting where I'm not going to eat it all for 16 hours, and then I'm going to go into my work. You know, eight hours of sleep time, wake up, no food for eight hours, and I'm yep. going to go train. Or be like, no, you got to eat every two hours and so forth. So it's, it's yeah. people like these kind of extremes. So when you say, look, three meals per day, five, six hours in between each meal, people are kind of yeah. like, uh, that, that doesn't sound that exciting, though. That doesn't, that, doesn't, that doesn't get me excited about doing this or that. So it's, it's, people love these extremes. It's yeah. crazy because we grew up on that. You had three yeah. square meals a day. And, right, right. you know, our generation, we were pretty freaking healthy. In fact, I always yep. take it back, like, when we were in school, everyone knew the fat kid, okay? Uh-huh. This generation, everybody knows the skinny kid. The skinny kid, <laughs> yeah. 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 And, and even the fat kid, the fat kid wouldn't be considered fat by today. Fat, yeah. That's right, right. Right. Yep. Really big bones. He was stocky. Dude, there was only one. There was only yeah. one fat Correct. kid. Yeah. yeah, you know, yeah. And it's so funny because that one fat kid I went to school with, I see him on Facebook now. He's like, he's skinny as hell because <laughs> he got tired of it. Jerry. But now all the people that picked on him, they're fat as hell. Right. 
But you know, it's, the, it's, 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 a lot, it's a lot of signs of unhealthiness. It's really bad skin because you're eating sugar and fried foods. It's, yeah. it's you're, you're overweight. You're, you're lethargic. You're kind of, I mean, you're 15 years old and you're cynical and depressed and so <laughs> forth. I mean, and we all, we, we all go through our phases in life where you kind of have like this rebellious nature at that age. But it's, yeah. when, you, when, you, when you see someone who's 21 who has old man energy, that's pretty scary. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it's, it's so funny. Like, you know, we were rebellious in a different way. It's like we were rebellious in the fact we wanted to go out and do stuff we weren't supposed to. Right. Oh, that's yeah. a big difference between being rebellious and being, as the kids call, emo. Emo kids are all <laughs> sad. They're depressed. They're like the bastard <laughs> kids of the grunge era. You know, right. like, is wrong. I'm rich and I hate myself. So, right. you know, I'm so sorry for, you know, what I've done to the poor people. You haven't done anything to poor right. people because you're not rich. Your parents are rich. Right. You're right. one of the poor people because you're depending right. on mom and daddy. It's your credit card. Shut up. <laughs> <laughs> it's like you're not rich. Your parents are rich. Shut the hell up. <laughs> I, I, I think guilt is kind of like the new fashion. It's like I want to I want to talk about guilt. They're like, oh, I'm guilty for this, guilty for that. Well, that's a waste. That's yeah. a waste. It's not doing anyone any good. It's not doing the people that you're feeling guilty about in question any good. It's not doing you any good. But it, yeah. it's kind of like it's kind of like a, a badge of honor that people like to wear. It's like, oh, I'm guilty about this, that, and so forth. It's kind of like there's nothing more irritating than a male feminist. Okay, right, right. Uh, oh, so a female feminist is like one thing. It, it's, and, and some female feminists, they're just, you know, they're they're really trying to push equal rights for women. But other female feminists, they're not all trying to push fashion. equal rights. They, they, yeah, exactly. They they want they want to put men down and raise women yeah. up, or at least they're they're their little click or whatever. Now, but, but what's more irritating than that is a guy who, who wears the feminist flag harder than women. And 99% of the time, it's because he's trying to impress some shit. I was just about to say, you need to do that for reasons. He's, he's, yeah. he's in fact, in fact, I, don't, I don't know why I'm saying 99% of the time. I would say 100% of the time. Yeah, I'm like, he's, trying to, he's trying to get in her panties, man. And that's, and that's his way of doing it. He's, like, he's going to play the real sensitive guy. And then, but guess what's going to end up happening? You're going to end up being the best friend that never gets laid. So right. I'm like, oh, yeah, he's, well, a good, he's a great friend. You know, he understands. I can always talk to him. Like, see, that's the problem. Now you set yourself up, jackass. Just like well, I was going to say, they, run in, they go into a bar and meet a guy like me, and it's like, <laughs> yeah, sorry, you know. <laughs> How are you doing, you know? Oh, my God, you're such a brute. Yeah, I am. You know, they, they just, well, I'm, they, I'm intrigued. Yeah, I know. <laughs> but, but, guys, there's, there's um, you know, I just want to hit that nutrition thing one more time because my roommate came up with a couple of really – Smart ideas. He's he's a guy that owns his own gym down here, but um, you know, there's all this stuff about diets right now. There's this, you know, the intermittent fasting and the paleo and this and that and the other thing, right? Well, have you ever like stopped and asked your clients like, hey, that's that's nice. You're looking into paleo. Are you eating three meals a day every day, even the weekends, at the same time, even the weekends each day? No, then shut up. You are not even qualified to think about paleo because you can't even eat. You Look, eat three meals a day, same time of day, and make it Pop-Tarts. Can you do that? No? Then, then the conversation is over, you know? Like, you, you can't start there. You're like, I'm, I'm going to paleo. Well, Whatever, it's just dude. another diet. That's all it is. Yeah. They're still addicted to diets. They just, you know, like I said, same yeah. shit, different toilets. You know, it's just like, put a different name on it. It's like <laughs> yeah. they bounce around like, you know, I, I know a particular person, you know, one minute, you know, they, they, were vegan. <laughs> they were vegan for about three months. 
<laughs> and then next thing you know, they went really primal by starting just eating everything that was that crawled around in the woods. And then <laughs> next thing you know, they're paleo. And then next thing you know, they're they're primal by you know they they go to you know Mark's Daily Apple. And all of a sudden, yeah, yeah I want to drink right milk, now. so I'm going to be primal now because paleo won't let me drink milk. No, you won't <laughs> let yourself drink milk. Paleo is not holding a gun to your head saying, "Hey, jackass, you better not drink milk." So right. what well, happens right. is these so, people. What I, what I always laugh at though is that uh, <laughs> when people start modifying stuff, it's like, okay, I follow the paleo diet, but. I added whey to supplement that, oh, and I, I added I added brown rice a couple times a week, and I added this, <laughs> added that. Like, okay, well, that sounds like a standard diet for a lot of people. So it's kind of, for, for, for most people, when you try to go to some extremes, it, it's yeah. it's 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 going to start becoming rebel. limiting. Exactly, you're going to rebel yeah. yourself. You know, yeah. the person yeah. that goes like, "I'm a vegetarian, but I still eat fish." No, you're not a vegetarian. <laughs> the last time I looked, I didn't see a fish grow out of the ground. <laughs> a vegetarian. <laughs> I only eat green fish. <laughs> <laughs> so, I mean, my thing is just, how about just eat or balance bill. Once you figure out what's working for your body and works for your bio-individuality, okay? Well, that's, that's a really yeah. good point right you there. You cannot that, on every bandwagon diet because it doesn't necessarily work for you and your DNA. And I'm not talking about some blood type diet. I'm talking about you and right. your DNA. Know yeah. who your ancestors yeah. were and what they thrived off of. So Thank don't come you. and tell me I lived off a caveman diet when I have ancestors that pretty much came from Ireland and came from West Africa. Okay? <laughs> so, <laughs> so you can't tell me that. Tell me, like, all our ancestors ate that way. Like, your ancestors are not my ancestors. So right. But, but you, you know, know, the thing know is, me, the thing is, so. Even, even if our ancestors did, I mean, even if, even if we go all the way back, like, everyone comes from this prehistoric man type thing. It's like, okay, well, even if, that, even if that's true, so what? You know, this but is a modern what? age. Who cares what they did back then? And guess you what? Know, it's like, like adaptation. Like, yeah, and we don't you know, know better now. Do. We adapt. Otherwise, we'd still be single-cell organisms. If that was yeah. the case, with that type of thinking, like, we got to do what our ancestors did. Well, that means I'm an amoeba. <laughs> I don't have to worry about it. <laughs> well, I mean, what, what your ancestors did is they probably didn't have any food for three months at exactly. times. Exactly. And they yep. might have had they might have had a day where all you ate were some berries and leaves, and then maybe you killed an animal and you ate that every day for a month, and then you yep. didn't catch another one for three months. Hell, so I mean, yep. it's, it's not it's not like you, you didn't turned, have buffets. Bottom okay. line is you didn't turn down anything back then. Anytime yeah. you came across any food, you went for it because you didn't know when your next meal was going to be. It wasn't right. well. This is not paleo, so we have to skip this, even though we're all starving. You know? Yeah. It's yeah. like, believe, no, believe no, me, no, there's, no. there's Kenyans there's Kenyan who just live off Ugali, which is cornmeal. Oh, yeah. And oh, you yeah. know what? And a lot of those guys are way healthier than the average American yep. we see walking around. You know, so right. it's right. the human body can adapt a lot better than we give it credit for. So that's why I hate all these arguments of, oh, the human body hasn't adapted to this or hasn't adapted to that. It's like, look, you're not giving yourself enough credit here. You can, yeah. you can adapt to all this. There, my brother just told me about a guy who – escaped from North Korea. He tried to get yep. he was he tried to get out of North Korea several times, kept getting kicked back from China. The final time that yeah. he made it, he had to survive by picking food particles out of cow manure for yeah. the whole time to survive for several months as he worked his way out of North Korea to China. So, I mean, I'm not saying that's yeah. a recommended diet, but the point right. is, is that this guy survived for doing that. So, the body I mean, adapts, you, man. Exactly. The body will adapt when it needs to do what it needs to do. I mean, just like yeah. you were saying, just about the Kenya, I mean, they have – I remember my wife went over there, went to Uganda last year. Yeah. You know, people yeah. over there are surviving off, you know, cassava, you know, and yeah. bananas. So you're talking about starch and sugar, but hell – 
these people yeah. are, you know, thriving for the the best that they can. And honestly, mm-hmm. I think they're living a lot healthier than the majority of Americans over here who stress over their diet because these people are not stressing over their diet. No, and so you have all clear. these orthorexics over here, especially in our industry, stressing right. over yeah. which diet is the, or should I do intermittent fasting or should I be doing paleo or should I be doing this? They're stressing so much on being healthy that they're fucking unhealthy. Right. <laughs> so, right. so who? So you just pretty much you, you you lost it, dude. You missed the point. So just, just <laughs> shut up. And, and what it comes down to is tribalism. They need to belong in a group. So it's like yeah. I'm, I'm I'm paleo. I'm in the paleo right. tribe, or I'm in the vegetarian tribe. It's just like they have to find a group to be with themselves because they are afraid to be individuals. Well, I mean, we, afraid I mean, we, to see the whole, we see the whole thing in other areas too. Kettlebell wars going back Everywhere. and forth, training wars going back and forth. You know, this is the best way to do this. No, this is the best way to do this. And exactly. it, 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 people have a very hard time having conflicting ideas in their mind and being okay with that. Yeah. And that, that's, yeah. that's a sign that you're moving in the direction of wisdom when you can actually have these conflicting ideas in your head and be okay with it and be, you know what, it's okay that these yeah. conflicting yeah, ideas the are there. <laughs> you're missing yeah, the right. knowledge part and the wisdom of putting it together and getting some type of understanding. And the understanding is the part that's missing. <laughs> so, yeah. Yeah. so it's just yeah. like you got all these ideas, but you don't know what the hell they actually mean. You can just sit there and regurgitate them back to me, but... You know, on a different note, we have a school system that, you know, that, that gives you props for that. You know, they, they right. reward you for that. Like, listen to what I say and only do as I say and repeat it back to me, and I'm going to test you to see if you were actually paying attention for that five <laughs> minutes, and then you yeah. can forget it once I test you on it. So yep. it's kind of like, you know, we've kind of, like I said, we've rewarded people for being, you know, just like, oh, I'm just so wise. I can just sit there and spit off. I can recite all this, this, and this. Okay, but do you know yep. what it means? Can you, can you tell me what it means? Well, no. You heard it. You heard what I said. Right. You know what it means. <laughs> uh, no one, no one teaches that deeper understanding of anything, and that's that's no. why I love what I do because I can take I can take medicine and sports science and go, okay, that's how that works, you know, and mm-hmm. and and I I do understand it, you know. It's it's why I understand you know a lot of what Mike teaches because. You know, while I don't, while I'm, I'm not a medical doctor, I still have to deal with medical problems, and mm-hmm. um, you know, we're given that education. But um, you know, we're we're a society that's increasingly polarized, and I, I just straight out ban people that that come onto my page or whatever, and they, you know, just start running their mouth about something you know like CrossFit. If you know, if we bring that up, you know, because all these guys are doing is regurgitating stuff. Um, and, and passionately to the point of wanting to fight about it. And I'm just kind of sitting there going, you, don't, you have no idea what you're even talking about. Like, you don't even have the smallest understanding of the basics of the subject. And, and it makes it impossible to even debate these people because if all someone has, it's sort of like, you know, it, it would be like taking a, a Jewish person and a Muslim and having them, you know, debate over the merits of their religion and who's right. It, it right. really comes down to that level of fanaticism. Yeah. Neither one of them knows crap about shit. And, you know, so I can't, I can't educate anyone. I gave up educating people online like years and years and years ago. You know, that's when I stopped going on forums and all that because, you know, if I'm trying to explain to you how aspirin works and you're like, no, you're wrong, you know, licking <laughs> dust off the floor is the way to cure a headache, we're not going to go anywhere. You know, no. I I got nothing. I can't. Well, there's there's a lot of trolls. There's a lot of trolls on these pages, and it's yeah. it's not it's not yeah. even really someone who wants to have a healthy debate. They're just trying to mess with you. 
Exactly. And, right. And, exactly. and there's no way. And there's no way to win. There's the only way to win with such people is to not engage. You just delete exactly. them, exactly. and that's it. Because yep. once, once you start like trying to debate with such people, you you've already lost because they're trying to provoke a response from you. So any right. response is a victory for them. So yeah, it's, 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 it's one thing when someone actually has good intentions and maybe they want to have some clarification, mm-hmm. or, or they have an opposing view. That's fine. That's fine yeah. too. But it can be done in a respectful manner, though. So when someone comes right. at you with in a disrespectful manner, they're already a troll, in my yeah. opinion, because they're not yeah. even trying to be diplomatic or even professional about it. Well, they, right. they've already come in with their minds made up, and you know. And I always say when you engage these people like this, I always tell people just treat it like as a zoo. Don't feed the animals. Okay, and there's a reason why those signs yeah. are up there, because they're, they're savages. But, you know, yeah. the best way to do it is, like, if you can start off with three simple words when we're discussing something, maybe opposing views. If you say, in my opinion, then you've got my attention, okay? Because, right. therefore, you already know it's not the law. It's not absolute. Yep. It is your effing opinion. And guess right. what? I'm going to share my opinion, because yep. guess what? It's only the truth to, each, to both of us. It's my truth. Right. It's his truth. And mm-hmm. sometimes we may agree. Sometimes we're going to have to agree to disagree. And that's how, yep. you know, communication happens. Now, you sit there trying to impose yeah. your beliefs on me. First of all, son, it's not going to work. Okay? Right. It's not going to work because I'm just like, no, not buying it. No, you, you can't come yep. at me like that. And you can't, especially when you right. come with disrespect. And that's the right. thing. Yeah. When you come with that mutual respect, then you can, you can have a healthy debate. And that's the reason right. why we have so much drama going on in this world right now, because nobody yeah. wants to give someone the respect of their own views. And to, and to agree, like, okay, I see your point, and I have yep. to agree to disagree, because this is how, this is my point. This is my point of view, mm-hmm. and this is how I was taught. And cause right. that's usually what happens. Most people are debating with things that they've been taught, not what they've experienced, and not right. from an understanding of what they've been taught. Because, God forbid, your teachers taught you the wrong thing. And honestly, there's no such thing as the wrong thing. It was just appropriate at that time that you were given that knowledge. And right. that, that takes that take balls to admit that, like, you know what, to sit there and think, like, okay, maybe what my parents taught me wasn't 100% the best thing. Yeah. But it was the best thing at that time. Because they were only mm-hmm. giving me the, the, you know, the amount of their own experience. So right. It takes, well, we, it takes we've balls. lost. Yeah, we've we've just lost the as a nation and and to some extent as a as a planet we've lost the ability to conduct discourse. You know? Oh yeah, big time. That's why I love animals because you know I'm looking at my dog. He doesn't care about any yeah. of this because you know what? <laughs> right. Everything is instinctual. He's like, look, I get up and when I get up at nine thirty, you need to have my food ready because I know. Because guess what? Going back to what Nate was saying, <laughs> my dog knows when he eats. He knows when yep. when it's time to eat in the morning, and he knows in the evening. It's funny because he doesn't talk, but he knows. He gives me that yep. look like, dude, it's that time. And he knows, when to, he knows when to take his nap every day. I don't yep. have to sit there and plan a nap for him. He's going to yep. go to sleep at 1 o'clock on the dot. I don't have to say a word. He's gonna know, exactly. He knows when he wants to play. And I need, yep. to just, I need to be more instinctive to what he's instinctive about and, you know, Absolutely. get on his level. And it teaches me yep. a lot because I, I, I look at him, I think like, damn, as humans, we have so forgotten how to be animals, man. We've forgotten that at yep. the core of who we are as mammals, we're animals, and we've lost our instincts because we're so smart, we're fucking idiots. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. So, you know, yeah, so we, and animals get it. They're not debating on what diet to have. They're just like, look, dude, I'm hungry. Right. And when I'm hungry, I need to eat. If I don't I eat, mean, it's, <laughs> if I'm it's, sure don't eat, I'm like, Oh, look, puke on the ground. Awesome. <laughs> <laughs> it's just like ice cream. <laughs> Nate, you, 
Do you have anything you're working on, Nate, or anything you'd like to plug? I know you got to get going here, and we're getting close to, I yeah. think, the two-hour mark, so just want to give you a chance to plug anything you have coming up. Yeah, if, if guys want to, um, you know, go to the website, it's uh, morrisonindustries.com, and uh, on there um, I'll be putting links to the, uh, the fitness stuff that we're doing. I'm starting something. Um, uh, we finally settled on a name, calling it uh, Combat Conditioning, and just because it, you know, I'm not trying to, like, do something that Matt Fury is doing or whatever, you know, that clown, but um, <laughs> the, uh, <laughs> but it's, you know, it's, it's, it's a name that sticks, and, you know, we're just kind of looking for something that, you know, is going to get your attention that describes what it is that we're trying to do, um, and that's going to be, uh, it's going to be a membership-based program. Um, depending on how far you want to go with it, it's going to be 9 to 18 months long, um, it's, uh, like I said, membership-based, and it's going to have all of these programs. Basically, you come in, you do a month of uh, education, you do, um, uh, and then you're going to get fed every single week. You're going to get the next week's schedule. You're going to get all the details, video tutorials, worksheets, you name it. Uh, there will be a forum in there for questions and answers um, if those come up. And, um, you know, we're just going to try and get the ball rolling on on training as many people as we can, whether they're, you know, military recruits, hardcore civilians, uh, current military and, and law enforcement. Just we're gonna we're just gonna pull the, the great big reset lever and just start all over from the beginning. You know, this is how you do a push up. This is how you do a bench press. And I'm and I'm gonna, you know, we'll go all the way up through NCAA uh, level standards of performance and um you know, it's, it's going to be pretty awesome. And I'll tell you, Mike, you know, you and I have done a lot of education in Sincere. I know you have too, man. You're all over the place. Um, but I, I got to tell you, I think if you had 10 years and $10,000 or more, you're not going to get what you're going to get in this, in this, new, um, in this new program. Um, every month we're going to do a, a minimum two-hour seminar. You know, little things like, you know, for example, breathing is one of them. You know, we'll have a, a big thing on, on nutrition. We're going to teach people how to cook, you know, because no one knows how to cook. You know, if you say dice an onion, people are like, I, I, I got nothing. You know, <laughs> all right, fine. I'll Damn. teach you how to dice an onion, man, you know. <laughs> uh, what's the difference between dicing and julienne, you know? Well, this is what it is, you know. Um, <laughs> and, it sounds I like mean, strippers to most guys, you know. <laughs> <laughs> I know a julienne or two. <laughs> <laughs> oh, the porn star, okay. <laughs> right, right. But it'll, uh, it'll all be linked through Morrison Industries. Um, like I said, MorrisonIndustries.com stuff will pop up on on there in the in the main bar under fitness, and um, you know, yeah, we're just we're gonna try and roll that out in the next couple of weeks, and and you know, like I said, we're gonna set our own standard for what it means um, to to do military fitness training and and um, and provide a, a a blueprint, you know, a pathway for these people to take because. I, I can't take it anymore. I, I can't take the BF any longer. It, it's hurting people. It's killing people. And I'd rather train them upright than fix them after they're all screwed up, you know. So that's uh, that's where we're going. Sounds good, man. Sounds okay, excellent. Man. Well, thanks a lot for coming on, buddy. So it's always Thank good talking you, to you. And we'll we'll definitely have you come back on again because there's definitely more that we can get into. And yeah. uh, just real quick, again, if you could just give your website address just one more yeah. time. Yep, it's uh, just www.morrisonindustries.com, M-O-R-R-I-S-O-N, industries.com. Awesome, man. 
Thanks again, buddy. Appreciate yeah, thanks it. Thanks for, your, thanks for your service to the country, everything you do, yes, and we'll definitely have you on again. Well, hey, and thanks to both of you guys. I think you got an awesome thing going on here. I think you got uh, you got one of the best podcasts going on, even though this is what number six. Yeah, yeah, we're just getting things. We're, we're having a good time. We're having a good time with it. We're kind of figuring it out as we go along, <laughs> and yeah. uh, getting some good feedback. I, I was telling, actually, I don't know if I've even told you this sincere, but uh, right now we're getting a lot of positive feedback. Uh, we, we we know we've hit it big when we start getting some negative feedback. So that's kind of the goal. Yeah. <laughs> We need a couple of people saying those guys suck. Then we know we're starting to reach a build a bigger audience. <laughs> <laughs> right now, with too many positive, too many positive responses, which means it's probably our friends and and followers yeah. and so forth. We need a couple. Those guys are jerks. Oh yeah, we had a couple. Remember, we took we, we mentioned a certain subject a couple of weeks ago, network <laughs> marketing, and you know it wasn't so much. Really negative, but it's to the point we, we I think we kind of hit some nerves, and um, there'll, there'll be an upcoming show discussing that topic. You yeah, know, so we'll, we'll get you know, we'll get the opposing view. But I, would, I knew as soon as you brought it up, I knew it was coming. I was like, "Yep," and start the shitstorm now. <laughs> but you know, you know what the thing is, man. If if you think it's such a legitimate way to go, why, why are you getting mad at all? Who cares what I? <laughs> or as they say in the hip hop world, why are you mad? Yeah, if someone said, oh, you know, Mike's testosterone booster is bullshit, I'm going to go, I know it isn't, so it doesn't get me mad that you think that. You know, I know it's good stuff. I use it. I, 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 all my friends use it. All the feedback's been great. So, I mean, I know it's good stuff. So it doesn't bother me that if someone says, oh, that stuff's bullshit or his system is bullshit because I know it isn't. So, I mean, it's, it's kind of funny when, when, some, when you touch a nerve. So it's like, why is it touching a nerve? If what you're doing is so legitimate, it shouldn't touch a nerve at all. Yeah, it's just like, yeah, you know, if that's what, how you guys feel, then no big deal. But, you know, of course, you know, the beautiful thing about this show is like, you know, we'll let you come on and, you know, state your case. And, yeah. and this, this is what this is. This is a great this is a conversation. This is a conversation. It would be no different if we were like at Barnes & Noble and some guy's like, hey, like Mike said a couple weeks ago, hey, do you like soap? <laughs> so, and I'm like, oh, my, my company makes soap. Do you use laundry detergent? My right? company makes laundry detergent. <laughs> gamble. Okay, so. So, so yeah, man. But yeah, Nate, thanks a lot for coming through, brother. And we thanks, appreciate buddy. that. And looking forward to bringing you back, man. Definitely. Thank you, guys. And hey, keep up the great work, man. You got you. I, all my all my guys are are listeners now of you guys. So keep awesome, it up. Buddy. Awesome, Take man. Take care. You good one. All right. Take care, guys. Thank Thanks. you. Take care. Bye. Bye. So, yeah, man, that was really cool. Yeah, that was our friend Nate Morrison. Great guy. Definitely check out his stuff. And just real quick, as we always do, we'll just plug some of the things we have coming up. So, Sincere, do you have, do you have anything coming up? Any projects? Look, man, I just came back from two back-to-back workshops <laughs> from New Orleans and Chicago. And, yeah. in fact, I was even doing a workshop on my birthday just, just a couple of days ago. <laughs> so, I just made it back home. I'm taking a break, so I'm going to take about a, a, at least a month off just to chill out, you know, just regroup and just yeah, en- just enjoy life a little bit. Stay off a damn airplane for a little while. Yeah, I'm with <laughs> so, you, man. I'm not, I'm not doing anything until August. I'm just going to chill out this summer, which is great because I'm really getting in. My workouts are going awesome, and I've got, you know, eight, ten weeks before I do another workshop, so I really have time to dial things in and make some incredible progress in the next several weeks. Exactly. And then I'll be I'll be heading off to Holland and Germany in August. I just put up a course in October with Dan John and Sabina Scala. It's going to be a two-day event in the UK. And then I've got Vancouver in the fall. I've got New York City in September. And that's about it. Some people were asking, when are you going to do more U.S. locations? I'm not. Yeah. New York City. <laughs> <laughs> 
New York yeah, City. Was, yeah. Like I said, when I was in Chicago, that was a big question, man. It was like, hey, man, um, so are you guys doing a workshop anytime soon? I was like, no. What about, is, you know, is Mahler going to do any more U.S. dates? I'm like, no. And they were kind of, you know, they were looking at the, um, the New York City date because they were asking, like, well, when is he going to do one in the U.S.? I said, New York, September, and that's the only one. And as far as North America, the only other option is going to be Vancouver. So they were like, no, it's got, he's got to be doing more in the U.S. I'm like, no, he's not. No, no, folks, here's, here's the deal. I've taught in the U.S. for over 10 years. Yeah. And I used to teach all over the U.S. And now I'm focused on building international. I'm taking my brand internationally, so I'm focused on international events. And eventually I'll probably phase those out and focus on other things because I'm building my nutrition supplement line. I'm working on other products and so forth. So it's kind of like I, – I, it's not like I started teaching kettlebells last year and I started phasing it out. I've been doing this for a long time. But people yeah. have had plenty of time to catch a course. If you didn't catch one then, you know, too bad. And yeah. uh, my, my attitude is the U.S. market is not as good as it used to be. I'm going to be perfectly honest about that. And I'm not saying, oh, you know, I'm making so much doing U.S. courses. I just don't want to do it anymore. No. It's because the market has declined quite a bit for workshops. Yeah. And if, if I love what I do, but I'm not going to do it for nothing. You know, it has to be worth my time. I'd rather just spend my time overseas where it's very profitable. People are extremely interested, enthusiastic, and it's fun. It's fun for me to go to other countries and travel and have a good time. So I, I am winding back workshops because I'm focused on other things as well that are becoming more and more time-consuming, other interests and so forth. So New York City is going to be it this year in the U.S. Next year, I, I, it's probably going to be four or five courses overseas, and that's probably it. Yeah. And it's possible I may do some stuff in the U.S., but right now I'm, I'm not planning on it. I'm just focused right. on other things. So, I mean, I'm not the only guy teaching workshops, and, and same thing, Sincere's not the only guy doing this. There's other options out there, but it, you know, if you want to work with me or if you want to work with Sincere, then you know, don't, don't take our workshops lightly like there's always going to be another opportunity exactly. because, there, because there's not always going to be that. No, exactly. And like I told you know, the folks over the weekend, like, hey, if you can make it out to New York, get your ass out to New York. It's not like it's and it's not like it's you're in like BFE, you know, Iowa or something like right, that. Right. It's New York City. It's September. So, you know, summer's over. All the tourists are gone. You can really get there and you can learn a lot and you can also enjoy the city, you know, and just kind of probably catch up from the vacation you didn't really get for the summer, you know, and the weather's going to be beautiful. So I'm just like, yeah, what, what more do you need? So don't, and just in hell, even if you go to Vancouver, it's freaking Vancouver, man. So, yeah. uh, you know, my thing is if it's really that important to you, then you're really stressed. like, Oh, I can't believe I do another workshop. If it's just that, I mean, dude, get off your ass and take charge of your life. And, and if you really want to invest in yourself and learn more and provide a good service to your clients, as well as yourself, get your ass out there. Just shut up. Try, quit trying to find an excuse. If you're looking for excuse, don't ask me. You're wasting my time. <laughs> so it's real simple. So, yeah, but you guys can always hop over to Mike's site, MikeMahler.com, you know, and then check out his full schedule over there. And for anything I got going on, you can check out my blog, NewWarriorTraining.com. And as I always say, each week you can catch us on Facebook and just go to Live Life Aggressively Podcast, or you can get us on Twitter at Mike Mahler or at Sincere Hogan. And if you do hit us up on Twitter, you know, use the hashtag LLA podcast and it'll make it a lot easier for us to see your responses and your questions and comments. So And final go. final thing is use use coupon code LLA to get ten percent off any of the supplements I carry. I've got some new supplement I have a new supplement coming out soon, probably next two months, next month or so. I just finished up the label. I just had the label finished up. I'm, I've got the final formula. So I'm going to be breaking out a few more really good products. Not too many. You know, I'm not going to just bang out 10 products a year where it's all garbage. 
I want to yeah. do one really good one at a time, get that going. But I've got a few more ideas that I think are, are really cool. So that as, right. as each one is finalized and you work out the tweaks, those will be coming out. So stay up to date on that. And uh, we'll see you guys next week. Hey, man, sounds good. All right, thanks for tuning in, everybody. Big thanks to Nate. And uh, we'll see you guys next week. Take care.